Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. White and blue, and we're back with another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, Canada's longest running soccer podcast. Broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful and Chile, British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And just warning at the start, you might hear some fireworks going off in the distance. I didn't know we had some LAFC fans living in the neighbourhood, but... Dude, I thought those were celebrating your anniversary. Your oh, it could, anniversary. Be, it could be that, yeah. yeah. I, that's, it's maybe just Caitlin neighbor, letting them off. No, your neighbours are serenading you. Oh, that, that's lovely. I mean, my anniversary on Halloween, and I mean, you're dressed for Halloween tonight. <laughs> Well, I, I hope you dress for Halloween tonight. You're laughing there as if you're not. Well, I, I will probably be wearing this like I do. Uh, well, I'll be wearing it a lot during the winter because it's cold and it's nice to wear. But um, no, it's, uh, I'll be wearing it probably twice, two more times this week. No, today was uh, my son had a, a bunch of dudes over to celebrate. A bunch uh, of dudes over. Well, a bunch of dudes over to celebrate his birthday. So um, oh. it, it was like it, it was mostly Star Wars theme in the decor. Um, and so I, I'm wearing my Chewbacca. I, I'm not wearing a Chewbacca costume, but I am wearing like a big puffy brown <laughs> jacket that, that makes it, it look like I am. Do you want to see my head? Oh my God. Oh no, oh my God. Oh no. <sighs> and this is why we do not do video. You, you've just gone blurry. Thank <laughs> <you>. <laughs> that, that's just your eyes from, from no, the shock it's, of seeing it's that. Gone, it's gone, your Zoom's gone, <laughs> gone blurry. Yeah, no, that's, so that's he, why we're an audio podcast. So he, so he was he was playing some Star Wars games, and then, of course, his big thing, which he really wanted to have the, have his friends over, was for, uh, uh, well, I can't call it FIFA anymore. It's a EAFC EAFC, that's a shit name. Let's be honest. Yeah. And hey, can I give you the rundown on that? Yeah. Okay, so... Because um, I was toying with buying it because I got my PS5 earlier this year oh, and I haven't got any it, it, football it, games for it. I, some of the, some of his friends were saying, oh, they think it gets worse every year. I think it gets better every year, but at least on the, game, on the gameplay side of things. Although corners are broken this year. They're way too easy to score on corners. The, the rate of... I, I, it's, it's almost Even like... Even for me... I, I've like spoken me. before. Me playing these games is much like when I went to that goth club, The Mission. I just can't score. There you go. 
No, the the defending is reminiscent of some MLS playoffs on set pieces, but it, it's, oh, uh, is it Whitecaps FC? It, no, dude. Like seriously, the the it's really easy to score on corners. Like the rate of scoring on corners is uh, way higher than real life. That's that's for sure. But uh, no, so we just we did a, a Whitecaps fan. Yeah, we did. He uh, did two groups, uh, two games uh, per, against each team in the group. Um, and then just single the top two going through single elimination semifinals and single single elimination finals. And then Kirk beat me three two in the final. Good on on a, a a second after the extra time you know would have ended on a I don't know if it was a scissor or a bicycle kick off a cross. It was oh. it was it was quite beautiful. I've had a I've had a busy weekend. I've got a busy couple of days as you mentioned about anniversary coming up. We we're talking today. We're thinking about maybe getting a second dog. I've always been a one-dog family, but because our, our dog's got a little bit of anxiety and timid, so we thought a second dog might help her. Caitlin's I, a big fan of the long-haired, wiry Dachshunds. Don't they require like more cleaning? Is that? Yeah, they're also small, and I don't know if it's good for my back. The thing that goes in the favour for it, though, is I would then get the chance to go up to folk and say, would you like to see a photo of my hairy wiener? Oh, wow. Have you asked Annie? What, how does Annie feel about this? Uh, she is not for hairy winners. She's she's very timid. Oh Whenever a male dog comes up behind her, she gets a little bit freaked out. Oh Much man. like Caitlin, actually. But yeah, football-wise, it, it's you'll disagree because Bayern won. I take it they won. I didn't look at the scores, but from what you were going you, you, on you, about, dude, you need to you need to watch the highlights. I don't. No, you do. <laughs> you do. How about this? I'll I'll just I'll tell you I'll tell you about the first half. No. Oh, I want to get into the show. <laughs> Okay, I'll, I'll tell you, tell you about you my shit soccer Saturday, where it started off with East Fife getting knocked out of the Scottish Cup <gasps> by basically a pub team what? that are like non-league way down. Just what, what was the score? One nil. Stoppage oh. time penalty in the first half. They got beat, and afterwards the manager said, "I quite liked this quote." He said, "This game was a personality test for our side, and we failed it." Not quite sure what you take of that, but I feel you may have lost your dressing room there. A little bit. But, I mean, that that was crap. We'll talk about the the CPL Championship and some CPL stuff in Part 3. In this part, we're, we're going to talk Whitecaps. I didn't get to watch either of those games live because I was uh, out commentating at UBC. So I was working, and the moment I got home, I was able to put on both games while I was doing other stuff. But uh, I got to watch them. So I turned on as the CPL finale was going to extra time. And uh, oh, spoiler. The, 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 oh, sorry. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the LAFC game was just, uh, LAFC Whitecaps game was just starting. Ah, uh, yeah. When I got home, which was like after 11 o'clock at night, because it was two games up at UBC, uh, I had, I, I put the Whitecaps game on the laptop and I had PVR'd the, the Canadian Championship game, so I had them both on with the, the sound down for the CPL one, the sound up for Whitecaps. So kind of watched them both at the same time. Ah, disappointing results, which we will get into. The highlight, though, of my weekend was UBC. Yeah. Who, the men are now going off to, to Nationals, and next week they've got a chance to win a sixth straight Canada West title for the first time in their history. The women will be hosting the Final Four on Thursday and Friday this week, if you're in the area, get out to those. 
and I'll have the calls for those on Canada West TV and they're very close to getting to nationals again as well. But on the men's side in particular, a great thing to see is how many League One BC players have really contributed to, to their teams this year. And it just shows how important that league is and they really need to kind of do a bit more work on that for next year that we'll get into in one of our, our December shows. But in general, it was not a good good Saturday of soccer. As I say, you'll disagree. Well, no, I, the, the, the Byron game was really interesting. Some records were broken. Some interesting things happened in the game. So, uh, yeah. Did, did Fonzie score, take off his shirt, reveal our Real Madrid top into me? <laughs> no, he didn't score. Oh. What, I don't one know what thing, he's wearing underneath. One thing, though, that like did happen when I was at UBC. So between the two games, um, I'd switched my phone off apart from text. So I didn't want anything to come through in the internet. So there was no data. There was no internet. I couldn't check anything during the game. And I'd got in the car, I was going to go and get some food between the two matches, and then I got a text from Caitlin saying, Matthew Perry's died. Oh, yeah. And I was like, what? So then I did switch my internet on just to to read that, and I still managed to avoid all the scores, thankfully. It was, this this is only for people from the UK of a certain vintage. It was like the famous Whatever Happened to the Likely Lads episode where the two main characters are trying to avoid the result of the England game so they can watch the highlights on BBC that night. And anytime anyone comes near them, they might tell them the score. They just run away and they do all this stuff. It's a fantastic episode that I won't spoil because it's a little twist in it. But I kind of felt like that, trying to avoid the scores, which I did manage to do. Yeah. But, yeah, Matthew Perry's death yeah. was just... One, one of my friends put on their social media, could I be any sadder? I saw a few folk and, uh, post know, stuff like R- that. R- it's, R.I.P. Chandler. He yeah. was his character was my favourite in the show. I, I was a big fan of Friends in the in the nineties, and it's nice. It had a, it's had a bit of a resurgence. Although I've heard that the modern day generation they don't like some of the humour in it. They feel it's too white and doesn't show diversity. And as with all these things, it's like it, it's different times, and that was the group of friends that it was. And stuff like that annoys me when you're analysing TV shows from many years ago and you're holding it up to today's values. Yeah, now, a lot of the shows that I like from the 70s and 80s don't stand up today. Yeah, I still love them. Not, let's not go through the list of the... <laughs> I, I was just watching one over the weekend, but... <laughs> I, be, I believe you. Yeah, it, it came again. up as a recommendation on YouTube. We, we've it says a lot for my, my YouTube watches. We've had a lot of, uh, or we, uh, I can't remember if they've been on air, off air, or both <laughs> conversations about the, uh, and I'm sure there's an actual term for this now, but like, yeah, putting the present context onto previous generations or previous mm-hmm. times and, and then evaluating them by that, um, which sometimes maybe is fair, but I think sometimes it's definitely not. <laughs> Um, so I hear you saying, yeah, I, I mean, I have no idea what the current generation of people think of France, but, um, but yeah, it's, it was, uh, it was, what, what do they call it? It was like a, the water cooler show, right? Yeah. Of, or one of them of its generation. I, I was slow to get into it. It was one of my, my friends that had watched it and it was about series three or four. And he's like, are you watching this? I was like, no. And he's, he's like, oh, he liked me the DVDs for the early mm. seasons, watched it, loved it. And then watched it 
like non-stop after that it was such a good show it, it, and wasn't it a part of like because it was on it wasn't on rough like overlapped most of the years with seinfeld so wasn't it on like nbc's must see must see tv on thursday nights or something possibly like we had it on channel four over yeah, in the right. the uk but so, there were, there were so many things from it that became iconic right or, or now they're oh, like, yeah. as you call them memeable things right like we were on a break or I can't remember all the other ones, but yeah, there, there's, there's so many things in that. But, but I mean, again, we, people would, people would gather at work at the water cooler. Or at oh yeah. And talk about it. Like we talk talked about, about it at my work. When I first met Caitlin, we talked about it. She would watch it over here. I watched it over there. And then we finished the season together when she was in Scotland. But like reading some of the stuff that's come out, Matthew Perry, just talking about the strain the show put on him, trying to be funny constantly deliver those one-liners because he was always it's what i sent to caitlin about this today it's like everyone was funny in the show but when you look at it he was the character that was expected to deliver the zinger the big one-liner and get that laugh so the pressure on you in front of a live audience to deliver that and to get that laugh it it took the toll on him which is is sad yeah and then yeah did you ever listen to he did some interviews after the uh the friends reunion talking about his health and his yeah his, his and then battles. he wrote his autobiography last yeah, year as well yeah that's yeah. what i think he was doing a press tour yeah. for that song last r.i.p matthew perry in tribute to matthew perry i i was initially going to call this episode of the of the podcast halloween horror show oh yeah so yeah which, yeah, which is where it was going to go. But instead, I, th- I thought it's a nice fitting tribute, Tim. We're going to call it The One With All The Horror, which brings us on to the Whitecaps and the football chat. I've been putting it off. We've been chatting for 15 minutes, avoiding talking about Whitecaps, but we've got to get to it. The Whitecaps Horror Show in LA. Forget Universal Studios. Forget Disneyland and all their decorations and the Haunted Mansion and Tower of Terror Forget the big costume parade that they have on Sunset Boulevard every Halloween. The real LA Halloween horror show came at BMO Stadium on Saturday night, Zach. The Whitecaps, what time was it? Thankfully, it wasn't time for them to call an end to their playoff hopes because it's a best of three series. After me hating it so much. Yeah. Thankfully, it's a best of three series. Well, yeah, because... There's a few teams that are thankful. Yeah, I think St. Louis after tonight are going to yeah, be, yeah. I'm glad it's a best of three series. Well, because it's not even just, again, I, I'm not saying I'm for the for the format. No, yeah. I, I'm still, yeah. no, I still hate it. But but for teams like, yeah, St. Louis, Vancouver, and a few others, it's, you don't have to, like, it doesn't matter how bad you lost. Right? Yeah, you just, it's you not just an aggregate score. Exactly. Yeah, so you're basically, they're down a, one nil. Yeah, down one out of three. So you just, you just have to go on a two-game winning streak. That's yeah, all you got to do. Piece of piece. And all you well, and all you well, two game tying streak and win at penalties even. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Just a, it, just avoid giving up free kicks and corners, <laughs> which of course we will get into. I mean, on, on paper, we ch- we chatted a little bit before we started recording. If anyone just looked at it and didn't look at the game, they'd say, "Oh, five two defeat, heavy heavy loss for the White Caps." If you read some of the comments about horrible defending, if you watch just the goals out of context, you'd be like, oh, yeah. terrible defending. Yeah, if you but, just watch just the highlights, you don't get yeah. the true picture of the game, for sure. Like, the reality of it is the Whitecaps played a very good game. It was an excellent first half from them. 
they were very much in this game. And when they went 3-2 down, they had to chase the game a little bit. They left a bit of space and then they got caught with some, some bad defending. I think we can pretty much say Brian White, good in one box, not the best in the other. <laughs> Maybe keep him out of the penalty box defending. I'm being a little bit harsh on Brian, I know. But like genuinely, this loss for the Whitecaps is not as bad as it appears, they went there and they gave LAFC a hell of a game. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, I don't. I definitely think it was more difficult than LAFC thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they, despite the, and I know for some people the the game at, at BC Place, whatever it was, a week ago or however recently it was. Um, for I think that maybe gave people a bit of a. Uh, a false dawn for the Whitecaps in this, but I, I think even though LAFC came in this with a bit of swagger as, hey, this is our competition, we won it last year, we're at home, whatever, the Whitecaps gave them a game. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's a lot, a, a lot that, obviously there's a lot to to analyze in a negative way, but there there's a lot that they'll look at this and um, that they can build off of and can be, and can be proud of. Because, yeah, they... Especially in the first half, they gave him a game. Yeah, the the goals they scored as well. Oh were yeah, good. And there's certain key moments in the game. Not just talking about the goals, which obviously are, but the fact that when they tied it up at one-one, they lost the lead just a couple of minutes later, like two minutes they held yeah. the lead. So it's like you hold on for a little bit longer. Does that change the game a little bit? You defend the set pieces better. You don't maybe stick a foot out. I, I, Yohei Takaoka, I feel, could have done a bit better in some of the goals as well, but how much sight he saw for them. I mean, well, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll go through the goals. We won't delve loads into them because there's seven goals to talk about. But A couple that we need to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> LAFC, they came out strong, and then the Whitecaps also came out strong, and it was a good end-to-end game. And it's like... The Whitecaps didn't go there to defend. They didn't go there to try and get level at the end of the 90 minutes and take it to penalties. They went there fully believing they could get a result. And as the commentators kept telling you, and and they can because they did it in June. And and yes, they they can because they did it in June. It, It was a good performance. It was a good game plan. I think it was probably the perfect starting lineup. The only debate you might have is Shop Ali Ahmed, but Vanny had basically said Alessandro Shop is our number eight for away games. So mm. I think you can take that that Ali's the number eight for the home games. Is is that a good thing? It's based on his experience, but he he didn't stand out the way that you need him to if he's gonna take that role on in, in this game anyway. Yeah, I know there's been a lot of criticism of Shop, and it, part of that is at least connected to his salary. Um, I know it's hard it was, to split it, but yeah. it does factor in sadly. And but in he's this had league. some. He, I think he's had some good games, and he's had some mm-hmm. games where he's been either less visible or not not quite at his levels. Well, think um, back to the start of the season. Him and Gressel were linking oh, up yeah. superbly. Yes, and yeah, since he, Gressel's gone, Shop's not been as good. 
yeah it was like they were on a good a good wavelength together those yeah let's do um they're like a good wavelength i was gonna say probably listen to your music together mm. um but no i i think it's interesting vanny saying it that way and uh, yes yeah, so you assume ali's gonna gonna play in the in match number two and then if that goes the white caps way then it'll be interesting to see if he goes back to shop in the for the third i i don't i i, I don't have a problem with it i think the biggest thing was that Kubis was back, right? Like, yes, like that. I think, but that... he fell off a little bit. He started strong, and then tailed off a little bit towards the end of the first half, and was really not the Kubis that we know in the second. But if I which th- is understandable, yeah. But I think they got a lift even from just having him having him in there. Yeah, it was. It was. I, I want to say it was. Doyle on MLS that had said, oh, the Whitecaps have no chance because Kubis is out for the rest of the season. And all of us in the Vancouver media were like, ah, he's going to be back this Saturday. What are they talking about? All right, let's just keep that quiet because they obviously don't know that. Yeah. The other thing was, the other other one was, um, and obviously he's had some great games and then some disappointing games. And he had some negative moments. This was is is Brown. Yeah, this wasn't one of his better games, and you knew he was going to come off again around the hour mark. He he picked up an early booking, I think, as well. If I remember right, and that always worries you when a defender is going to get a booking. But yeah, there's a few folk. I mean, Blackman as well wasn't maybe one of his best games either. Oh yeah, he also got a he yeah. Also- yeah, and I mean, Brown we'll, was forty first, and uh, Blackman was the fifty fifth. So yeah, but we'll talk about what might need to change for the second leg in a sec. But if we get into the goals, the opening came in the eighteenth minute, and corner comes in from Vela, great delivery to the back of the six yard box. Ryan Hollingshead's waiting there as a good header and a fantastic save from Yohi Takaoka, but it went straight back to. To Hollingshead, and this is one of the goals that I look at it two ways. It's a great finish by Hollingshead to finish from that tight and angle. From a Whitecaps point of view, how can you let that goal in from that tight and angle? It feels like they're too static, and I I know people. And if Steve was here, he would talk about you know zonal marking or whatever on, on these type of things leads to that. But yeah, they were just they were too static, flat-footed. You know, I think uh, I I only listened to a little bit of Vanny post game, but I think he would say that they you know didn't attack the areas, the spaces the way he would have wanted them to, or at least that's what I'm guessing he would have said. Um, but yeah, it just did not look good, right? It looks really, really bad. And yeah, if you're Takaoka, you're like. I've just made a, a quality save, and you guys let the shoot. This guy let the shoot. Just have a free, free second chance. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It was. It was kind of. It was. It was a foreshadowing of things to come from set set pieces. Unfortunately. Yeah. Sadly, it was. But I mean, it would have been easy to think. Ah, oh, Ellie's just going to turn it on now. But we've spoken about this a lot o- over the year. This is a Whitecaps team that doesn't give up. They don't know when they're beat. They don't let their heads down. They've got a fight about them, and I love that. It's always going on about this is probably the best overall Whitecaps team of the MLS era. Part of that is because they've got this fight about them, and they just dust themselves down and get on with it. And then nine minutes later, they were back level. Great stuff by Brian White. 
made this happen. I mean, it was great from from LA to to set it up. It's like a loose pass, pounced upon, White, Kubis breaks up the pass, plays in White, but White still has a lot to do when he gets the ball. Yeah. And does Kubis, it well. Does, yeah. Kubis does what he's supposed to do. Yeah. Win the ball back as quickly as possible. A nice pass, a good vision. I think showed maybe vision that we don't always uh, see from him. And then White. This is the second time, I think, this season. I think the other was in the clinching game against St. Louis. Yeah, it was the clinching game in St. Louis where he showed um, th- that he's not the fastest player in the field, but he still has um, pace at the right moment mm-hmm. to, to to break away, to get away, and, yeah, goes in alone, opens up his body, side-foots it into the to the far corner. It's a deft little chip. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He, he finesses it into the far, mm-hmm. far corner and then <laughs> and gets taken out by Giorgio Chiellini. <laughs> For yeah. his trouble, <laughs> which was guy. Here's I saw some people on social media calling for like, why wasn't there a card for that as well? Or blah, blah, blah. which actually is not a horrible shout. I mean, no, I don't, I don't think they would have ever given him a red card for that. And oh, so no. that var can't give him a yellow. But yeah, it was uh, it was it was really thing. But and then and then white, um, in the in the moment decides also which i'm sure they they let him know about later but um decided to let the lafc fans try to shush them and the fingers in the ear and I, um i loved uh, that but my immediate thought was ah oh, that could come back yeah. to to haunt him oh kirk, when kirk saw that he's like oh they are gonna give it to him you could yes. see people fingering him and coming come like running they, down. they were doing what yeah sorry giving him the finger michael i've seen that tom green film Oh my god. Have you seen Freddy Got Fingered? No. Oh, it's absolute shit, but still hilarious. Oh, there you go. I had it on DVD for a while. I would have lent it to you. But But yeah, no matter how many fingers that he put in his ears, (laughs) you 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 be able to hear those uh Oh yeah. You can can hear those LAFC supporters. Well Sam did the shushing as well. We'll get to that with with his goal. Oh Sam did the Sam Sam did the cup to the ears. Oh did he? He didn't do the shush as well. Oh no, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Like give it to me, I I can hear you or I'll take it from you, whatever. But I mean back on level terms and you're like, ho ho, game very much on here. Oh yeah. But then like the the lead lasted less than two minutes. Buanga, banger of a goal. Again, you know that he's such a dangerous guy and he skips past, first of all, Javain Brown and then Ranko to get that room in front of goal. And I, on the last show, we were, we were paying tribute to Bobby Charlton. And I, I don't know if you've seen many of Bobby Charlton's like videos of his goals and stuff, but I, I mentioned on this a lot, the, the Sloping Pitch podcast, they were talking on, on that this week, that when you watch Bobby Charlton's videos, he shoots from like 20, 25 yards out constantly and scores. But he doesn't have to. He could run into the box. He's got more time. But he's yeah. got that confidence that I can shoot and score from here. And that's how it feels with Buanga. LAFC has done something different this year. Uh, Trundle, I don't know if he's done it just some games or whatever. When, when we were when we were there in August, I think it was different than for this game. But because usually Vela, or in previous years for sure, Vela has been someone who's played on the right. But what you saw in this game, and I think some other games this year, is they put Vela in the middle, put Boanga on the left, and um, what's the guy's name? Uh, Christian Christian Oliveira, I think, on the right. 
and I, I, I just find it interesting because Boanga is such a dominant force, but because he's so strong, like on this goal, he's able to come into the middle. And because Vela is so uh, given so much freedom on where he can be, when he pulls out of that middle, he creates so much space. And that's a little bit what happens here is he he makes a run that opens up space for Boanga to just uh, create a shot for. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, yeah, Branko doesn't cover himself in glory. I can hear Simon Fudge comments in the, in the background of how he doesn't think, you know, Ranko is, you know, the best quality MLS defender, although he's had a really great year. But, Michael, you can't also forget this goal starts with a nice a nice uh, precision long ball from Giorgio yes. Pellini out of the out of the back that then yeah. gets flicked on to Boenga on, on the wing. Um, and so all around, if, you, if you're LAFC, you're like – you're showing the diversity from which you can score. Yeah. And this was their this was also their one goal from open play, right? Yes. Their one <laughs> and only. Yeah. I mean, like talking to Kialini, he had a very up and down game, I thought. There were some great moments from him and there were some moments where he kind of showed his age a little bit. Yeah. And I, I do yeah. wonder if they if they're gonna think, you know what? I think we can maybe get the job done at BC Place and rest him, not have him play on turf, have him on the bench in case we need him. And I think that would be the sensible thing to do, as much as I'd like to see him play again, because it's always fun to see him. But that pass, yeah, it just shows the quality that he's he's got. Yeah, I wonder and... too, because he has played at BC Place. I wonder if the, yeah, I wonder if Toronto will just and, and Mark have a conversation with him, just say, hey, how do you feel about this? Because mm. that's he's the because if they went on Sunday, they've got a couple of weeks off as well. Yeah. So that comes into it as well because mm. it's like, do we want to go there, get it done with? And even if you have to play on a dip, um, difficult surface or a surface that's not ideal, you'll have a couple weeks to recover. Mm-hmm. So does that weigh into it as well? Yeah. So it's it's uh, interesting what what might happen with that. Denis Buanga, though, I mean, what a season he he's had. For me, he's right up there with Acosta as as MVP. I think. Buanga's done it across all competitions, whereas you're really meant to just look at what he's done in the league, but obviously Golden Boot and everything as well. But I, I still think Acosta probably edges it. That's who got my vote in the, the end of year's awards. I know I didn't vote for Ryan Gold, but Ryan himself came out and said, look, I didn't have a great start to the year. There's other people who deserve this, which is like nice honesty. Because he didn't. Who wouldn't, who wouldn't want a player like Acosta on their team? I would love. Do you think? Do you think we could make a, a bid in the transfer market? That's how it works, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> in some places, I, I've got to say, when it went to two one again so quickly, I felt quite deflated, and I was like, "Oh, we had a chance, and we've thrown it away." And I did worry at that point that Ellie were going to just turn it on, but then again, Whitecap settled. Did so well. Great to see Sam Arakubi getting his first goal as a white cap upon his return. A fantastic goal as well. Lovely header. And what a free kick from Ryan Gold. Pinpoint. Yeah, I mean, I was very happy for Sam, obviously. I I, I cannot remember a time where I've seen Sam in the box on a set piece. Right? And typically, most clubs most managers will have their fullbacks or wingbacks 
be the ones who drop back to midfield where the taller center backs go in for set plays and corner kicks. When when he scored, I was like, who is that? I didn't. I was like, I I was like, that's wait, that's I, I couldn't believe it was Sam. I was just like, it was. I was like, that's crazy. I don't remember him scoring a header. Yes, that, that either. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Oh yeah, for real. I was like, wow. But you you could you could tell how happy he was, and then yeah, he, yeah, he went to the went to the side and did the, the both ears like like give it to me or I can hear you or you know, um, yeah, it was yeah, it was good. Well, I mean, that was the busy section of the stadium. That was a yeah. surprise. That was quite a poor crowd. Yeah, it's weird because I forgot to double check the because the they said twenty two thousand t- sold. The capacity is twenty two thousand, according to Wikipedia. So two stadium. two extra people sneaked in. Yeah, two extra people sneaked. So yeah, the game was a sellout, but they people just weren't there. So mm. I don't know if it's the season ticket holders, if it's a corp like corporate thing, right? Some of these, some of those empty seats were corporate. I don't know if the fact that it was too short notice. I don't know what, or people were just trying to sell them, right? Like some people sold their messy oh yeah, tickets. some people yeah. sold their messy tickets to pay for their season tickets for the next how many years, right? So yeah, yeah I don't you can know, do I don't, that. Sensible. Yeah, but so technically, I be, I believe according to the internet's reporting of the game and their stadium number, it was a sellout. Wow, which is which is awkward because yeah, there were so many. Yeah, it definitely it, did not look. You know, when when we went to the game in August, yeah, before the game started, I was like, uh, where are all the people? And it did fill up quite quickly. Like a lot of them were on the concourse and a lot of them were eating outside the stadium or whatever. And it did fill up quite quickly. But even that night, I was just like, this is full, but not like jam packed, like no room for other people full. And I forget what the attendance was that night. I think it was, it might have been a sell that night or it might have been close to a sell that night. But I, I wonder, I wonder how much that would concern their ownership group who are so many celebrities and, you know, personalities were probably not like vancouver's not a huge draw is how they'll just probably argue it yeah but but i but i because they're celebrities typically for many celebrities and i'm not trying to uh, stereotype the ownership group but appearance is an important thing no but i wonder how i wonder if that's a thing that they're concerned about i wonder how that like i wonder for like john thorrington or your old buddy there you used to call sick note um i wonder who I, who i saw last week Oh, and we're trying to eavesdrop in a conversation that he was having about someone had been accusing someone of tampering. Oh. Mm-hmm. We were all like, oh, what's this? What's this? <laughs> was, it, was it about Keelini to Vancouver? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, Vanny had his arm around him again. And he's like, come here. <laughs> they were saying things in another language. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you saw it out of other language in the post-game press conference for this. Max Crippo was the translator for Buanga after the game. Oh, I did not see that. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. But anyway, level at the half, feeling optimistic. That lasted seven minutes in at the second half, and it's Hollingshead again. For the second time in his career, he scored two goals against the Whitecaps. Yeah. And, I mean, this one, bit of unfortunate. Buanga takes the shot. White just sticks his leg out. Could have gone anywhere into the path of Hollingshead, who took away. Yeah, there's other questions to be asked, though. Michael, yeah. is there? Are there not? Yeah, because ask them. Well, what like 
Does does uh, Javane Brown not to need to react quicker to get off the line? There's a, there's a couple of them need to react quicker. Yeah. Well, yeah. In, yeah sorry. Yes. In general, yes. They all. They the again. They feel static or stuck, like you know, stuck in in a zone or in a spot or whatever. But it, the the thing is, it's Javane drops back like to go on the on the line. Like that. It's like, why is he dropping back there? And in fact, his dropping back in S again. If Steve was here, he'd say he should have been picking up Hollingshead at worst, if not, you know, drawing drawing the line to push Hollingheads further Hollinghead further back. So it's like it's like if he had stayed with Hollinghead, Hollingshead, it wouldn't be a problem. If he had pushed up, he might have been offside. Um, and so, like I was referring to earlier in the game, it it did not did not look good at all. Like it 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 yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it put. Uh, Takaoka off at all or anything like that. I don't, I don't I don't know having someone so close to you like that on the line but it it I played him on side yeah. it played him on side and meant he was wide open and yeah. it's I, obviously it's a it's a ricochet or yeah I mean the deflation could have gone anywhere it just happened to fall right into his path but but again if you're marking a man it's not an issue or no. if you're pushing if you're pushing up the line collectively there's a chance well if if he got it where he was he would have been offside if someone's not if a, if a defending player is not standing on the goal line next yeah. to your keeper. Oh, it's all ifs and buts, and it's. I mean, you, you get a little bit of that with the next one as well. Twelve minutes later, where Buanga takes the shot. Oh yeah. And I, it's a long range one. It's off white. Takaoka, I don't know if he's like shielded by white. If the deflection just takes it away, just that smidgen from where he's diving down, I kind of feel he should have done better on it. But at the same time, it was a deflection, so it's... I don't know. And I do feel sorry for White, because the two goals came off him. And yeah. I, I made the joke earlier about him defending. I, there's not really much he could have done. No. No, you still want Takaoka to react better, right? Yeah. It, it's not like it... Like, I don't know if I was being harsh or not, but yeah. I mean, it's not like it goes in the corner well past him. It, like, if he just got his hand down to it better, like, he feels like he could have, you know, prevented it. But this is this was a set play where, again, and I said this on, on Twitter as, as people responded to my what time is it comment? Like, your what time is it comment? Earlier? Yeah, because I don't know when you posted that because <laughs> I thought it was about the white caps. I was having a pop at you. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there was a few what, what time is it? Yes, on Saturday. But, um, no, I I, uh, I forget who I forget who was which was comment. Oh, um, Walter Walter said, "Oh, you know, I think it's time for better defending training or practice or something, or whatever." And it did feel like from these set plays that LAFC like was ready for the Whitecaps, and you mm -hmm. even saw it in this type of free kick. Where well, it's interesting that you say that. Did you see the post game comments? No, I haven't. I, I like oh. I said I saw just a little bit of Annie. Chirundalo said MDS is responsible for getting the, the team set. ready for set pieces and put all the credit onto MDS. Well, that makes sense because th this is an example of they know how the Whitecaps defend because that type of free kick, in addition to something, it's it's similar to something like a short corner, right? Where you're getting, you get all these people in, a, in you get all these people together, you know their zonal marking, you shift people around with a short corner, right? And in the shift, you now you have people who like they're either still in zonal marking or they're needing to switch to cover someone and they're not quite ready. And that's what this was. 
Vela taking a free kick where he shuffles the ball over to Baanga into space. And now you have all the white caps kind of like, oh, do, where do I go? Right. The ball's not coming in the way I thought it would. And it's like they were they were kind of caught, caught out, it felt like. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's that's a type of play that I believe was meant to counteract how the white caps defense had plays. And it proved incredibly meaningful for LAFC. It did. I mean, if, when it was 3 2. I thought they still had a chance. And because I was watching it not live and it was on delay and on demand on Apple, I'd seen how much time was left on the the actual broadcast. And I was like, oh, this is going to penalties because of how much time that was left. No, it was for all the post-game crap. But at that point, I was still like, oh, I'm excited. They're still going to get this back. When it went to 4-2... I was like, oh, is this going to be a absolutely stunning comeback here? I still thought if they could sneak the next goal, there was a bit of hope. But they never really looked likely that they were going to get that next goal. And this last one, 10 minutes from time, your boy Jesus, Murillo, rises unchallenged. I mean, we spoke about Sam's great header. I mean, he kind of rose unchallenged. This, because we only care about the White Cats' point of this, that was horrible to just let him rise like that and just head that home. Yeah, I forget who was marking him, but it, it was help. They were. I'm not sure anyone was marking him. He just seemed to just walk through and well, jump. They were, they were helped by the fact that Ranko was covering Chiellini, and this kind of just went past both of them into uh, Mario's on-running uh, header, right? So, again, it was, yeah. Th- 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 this was the one that maybe felt like the broken FIFA court- mm-hmm. headers from corners. Because it's like there's nothing you can do about it and you know it's going to happen to you at least once per game or you're going to benefit from it once per game. Sorry, not FIFA, EAFC 24. <laughs> um, they're not a sponsor yet, are they? Of us? Yeah. Not not yet. They, oh, they, they did be. sponsor not some more this year. So, I mean, oh, that sponsorship right. could be up for grabs now. There you go. Um, but yeah, it was it was disheartening. It was, uh, I know, yeah, for, obviously for Whitecaps fans, it was difficult. Uh we should give a shout out. There was a, a uh, I don't know, a dozen or fifteen or twenty people who traveled yeah, down for the game. There was a lot. It was really great. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty pretty cool to see them down there. Quick turnaround, short time to get your flights booked. They most of them that I know went down literally for like the day of, flew home the morning after. Yeah, I, I um, was pricing it for the third game and possibly like maybe flying from Seattle because it's way cheaper having a couple of days down there, like leave Caitlin and Annie somewhere nice round about Seattle. I'll fly down for the game, come back the next day, maybe after a day at Disneyland or something. It's like, oh, my, my flight was delayed. Yeah, I'm having a butter beer. That's universal. I know. But yeah. yeah, and a turkey leg. <laughs> I got to both. I heard someone make a joke about the Disneyland turkey legs this week. I forget where it was. It was oh. funny. It's a disappointing end result, obviously. I goes without saying. And yeah. I mean, if we're being frank, you're not going to be a deep playoff team if you defend like that. There's there's no way you'll get through this, even in best of three games or whatever, if you're going to defend like that, because you're going to get punished at this at this stage of the season against these top teams. Yeah, I, I mean, we talk about this more when we see what happens to the series as a whole. Yeah, but it it was it was it's not over, obviously. But it was very deflating, right? Because and I think it's deflating not because I think I think most Whitecaps fans will be frustrated and whatever, but I think most of them believe 
okay, we've lost this first game. We can take them at home for sure. Yeah, I, I genuinely believe and, that. And even I fan, though they, fancy us next Sunday. And even though they've beaten them in LA, I think that in the past, I think that it would I think that most people, even if they think, yeah, the White Caps will beat them in Vancouver. I don't know that there's a, as as many people now after that game mm. have great hope for that game that you were talking about hoping to go to. Yeah. Um, I, I have to say after that, I was like, do you know, even if it goes to the game three, I don't think I'm going to travel down for it. I, I do want to say, and you and I were talking about this before, before you hit record, but re- regardless of what happens, as frustrating as that, that result might've been and how it came about might've been, no matter what happens in this next game or two, even though I know for some people advancing in the playoffs a round or two is a significant benchmark in terms of how they feel the club is actually progressing, which I think is totally fair. Vanny said had... that himself, that for him, yeah. he needs to take that next stage of getting deeper. Yeah. This has still been a, a really great season for them. Yeah. Right? Like, um, so, again... Yeah, because I saw it's lots not... of folk making comments like, oh, why have you given him the contract extension now? Baffling. Yeah, I think they wanted that feel-good factor on that last game in the stadium with the people. And like, they wanted to respect him in that way. Uh, I, I don't I don't necessarily have an, an issue with that. Other than I, I think, like like I've said before, I don't think long-term he's the right coach for, for them. And I don't think he's the long-term. I don't think he's the right coach to take them to the ambitious places most people want them to get to. Um, or, or if he is, it'll take longer than most people have uh, mm. patience for. <laughs> um, well, to, to get there as well, they have to improve that defense, and th- oh, these are yeah. discussions we'll have at the end of this season. But yeah. a potent attack can only take you so far. Yeah, because you can't keep relying on them banging the goals in if you're going to be giving up cheap goals like that. So now they've got to to face this game coming up on Sunday. And it's like, what changes do you make? I think we're going to see Ali Ahmed in for shop. I think that's a certainty. I would probably feel you have to change the back line, but what do you do? Do you go to a flat back four? Do you go to 3D, bring Laborda in, who's had his ups and downs? Yeah, I was going to say, is there another option other than Laborda I'm not thinking of? Um, otherwise, if you go back forward, you go you go Sam Ritchie with Ranko and and Tristan between them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's breaking from what they've been working with. Yeah, which I don't could think surprise LA, but I don't think Vanny's going to abandon his back three. It's too precious to him. I mean, do you keep Sam and Ritchie as the starters? I Sam scoring probably secures him his spot. Because he's been coming in and out with Ryan Raposo getting some starts as well to to freshen things up. Yeah, but this is why you got Sam. This is why you got yeah. Richie to yeah. go to that next level in in the in the playoffs to go to to go a round or two or three or four deep or whatever, right? Like, so I I can't see them not not starting them. What do you, no. what do you, what, do you, what do you think? Hoylet only got a few minutes. And he didn't really, he failed to impress. Again, it's a short. Yeah, I, and I know it's harsh because he hasn't been having a, a lot of time, yeah. but he's he's just not doing it for me. Is that, is that, is the blow of that, again, this is a part of the awkward dynamic, which we talked about earlier. Is the blow of that like softened by the fact that his contract isn't huge? <laughs> In this case, no. 
Okay, yeah. Because That's I just look at what he's done and what he can do, and it's like you're not that same junior Hoylet right now, for for whatever reason. But I mean, do do you give him the start? Like, do you drop Viti? Do you mm. have White and Hoylet up front with with Gold behind them? That could be an interesting one. Or do you yeah. bring Sebastian Berhalter in, who I know has been playing more as a six and might not give you that attacking side that you need, but might give you that defensive stability? No, to me, Bearholder's still a sub in, in, in the playoffs. I mean, probably, yeah. But, I, like, Viti, I, I think you could bring someone else in for him. So maybe you're saying maybe Hoylet? I'm I'm thinking go with Hoylet and White up front and have Ryan in behind. Mm. Mm. Look for a three, four, one, two. Yeah, I mean I think Gold likes that. Mm. Gold likes being the one you know central attacking midfielder behind two two out and out strikers. But then is that does that expose you too much defensively? Possibly. I mean. You would kind of say, well, you have to go for it. You're at home. But now the pressure's on the Whitecaps because they can't just go for it and leave themselves yeah. short at the back because then the series and, is over. And um, not that the not that you can worry about the criticism in this way, but this was part of the playoff. This is part of the, the playoff frustration for fans in Vancouver, right? Can you imagine if they, if they go into BC Place and they bunker and try and get a, like a 1-0 win? Oh, yeah. and and then and then they tie and lose in a shootout, or they, or they 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 bunker so much that in the bunkering the bunker bursts in whatever minute. Oh, is that a, you? A, you a fish there? That, that that that's my dog. It, she's oh. she's doing a Chewbacca impression, I think. Oh. <laughs> Let, let's try and get this. Of course, now now she's still. Now, she, now she's quiet. Come on, Annie. Oh, she Come can't on, hear me. Perform she for the camera. She doesn't have the your earphones in. I'll put the headphones um, on. That was that was her. Yeah. <laughs> She's back again. <laughs> Sounds like a dolphin now. <laughs> From over here. <laughs> I mean, folk are gonna feel this is the most entertaining part of the show. <laughs> I can't can't question that really. But but no, it, it, but yeah, it, it, I mean you gotta have a big crowd because they've sold over twenty thousand tickets. So exactly. yeah, if if they if they put in a Robble style playoff performance, exactly, that's what I was gonna say. That's what Carl Robinson was criticized for. Yeah, was was taking an approach to get through that didn't pay off. Portland away, Portland at home, Seattle at home, Seattle away, right? And so I I think that I think that I. I'm not saying Vanny wants to. It's like a little bit like Kevin Keegan. Mm-hmm. I think Vanny would 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 rather. Oh, he would rather lose four three than one nil. Right, like so. Um, yeah, obviously, he, I'm not saying he wants to lose. Please don't hear that. But yeah, I think I don't think he wants to lose a one nil game. He'd rather lose a no. game that's like like three two four three five four whatever. Oh where, yeah, where his team's out there and scoring and. And, and the uh, fans would love that as well because it's entertaining and they got a win. I'm oh, glad it, that was it, what you meant by Kevin Keegan and not his more recent comments. But we'll, we'll quickly move on from that if you haven't seen those. I have not seen those, so maybe we should not discuss those. <laughs> I didn't mean to step in something that I didn't know was there. Um, <laughs> unless, unless it was, oh, 
he, he, I'll tell you, he doesn't feel that uh, women should be talking about the Englishmen's national team on TV panels because they haven't played for the English men's national team and the women's team is a totally different thing. He got a bit yeah, of stick for that. Yeah, that's that's awkward. That's that sounds yeah, that's not good. Talk, talking about views that from the past that yeah, maybe don't yeah, hold yeah, up yeah, today. No, no. Um, that was not what it was. He was yeah. hit in the head with a baseball bat years ago, so I mean that's uh, got something yeah. to do with it. Ten, Tanya Harding or no, he was oh, in his okay. car and then someone came and hit him with a baseball bat. Oh, okay. But you're but you're right though. This you're, is you're why right the podcasts are three hours. We get sidetracked. Dogs yeah, barking. I think you're right though. I think if the, if 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 the Whitecaps went out and they lost three, four, three or five, four, I, I think you'd literally have people who would say, "Well, at least it's not like these last two experiences yeah. that we had that were dreadful and painful yep. and whatever." They, they went for it. They entertained. Can you imagine if they'd got a result in LA with already the tickets sold, the buzz that they would have been? Oh yeah. You'd have had a probably full lower bowl, which you still might, because still, yeah. that's the other thing. It's a four thirty kickoff on the Sunday, which is fantastic. Okay. That's a unicorn for them this year. Oh, it's like you can get folk coming in from the interior, yeah, depending on the, the snow, island. which just already seems quite bad out that way. You can, you can see you can the, the nine a.m. Yeah. the nine a.m. ferry or nine yep. p.m. ferry. Yeah, you can you can do that. You've got the new Hello Ferry and everything that we're talking about before. So I mean, you've got this option now to get. This could be the first time that people's got a chance to watch them this year because of the kickoff time. And is this I know the Lions, when the Lions have had... Like when I first came over here in 2007, I was living with my in-laws in Nanaimo for a couple of months and the Lions had a big... I think it was the Western Conference Championship game and it was an afternoon kickoff. So we got the ferry over and then we got the ferry back and the ferry... It was a two-ferry wait just for walk-ons because so many folk had come over for the island to see it. So yeah, that's yeah. the kind of buzz you want to get. So, I mean, this is fantastic. Is, is that the only game that's on TSN or only game that's free on Apple? Or there was some, I saw some people. Well, I know yesterday's free. game was free on Apple. So, oh, yesterday's was free on Apple. Yeah. So um, this, this, this the next whole game one's on, on TSN. TSN. Yeah, right. And then I guess we, we see how that one plays out and what lies ahead. It's been an interesting start to the playoffs all round. We won't fully oh, yeah. delve into the matches, but did you get a chance to watch the St. Louis KC game tonight before we I've, recorded? I didn't watch the game, but I've seen the highlights, yeah. Oh, KC, without Johnny Russell, who they managed to rest and keep on the bench, go yeah. a goal down, and then four-goal well, blitz. Well, Johnny Russell probably should have won them their, their play-in game or whatever, in the 90 minutes and then help them win it in the shootout right and against yeah. san jose um but yeah no it's definitely a little bit of i think that that uh st louis having clinched the spot so early and you know resting players against teams yeah, like Vancouver and whatever, said this last week they looked they looked not in full form and they also seem like they might not be they, might not, they don't feel like a playoff team. You know what I mean? They're yeah. like built for the playoffs. Jake Nowinski had a bit of a mayor as well tonight. But should anyone be surprised by that? He's had <laughs> a good season by all accounts. And Timmy Parker did get on the He scored, score right? Sheet. Yeah, yep. yeah. Saw that. Um, Actually, they didn't go one down. 
I'm saying they went one down and then came back with a four-goal blitz. They took the lead and then St. Louis equalised right away. And then it was a three-goal blitz. Yeah. That's what it was. It was... So cracking yeah. goals. Yeah. Again, long rangers. And then I watched the the Houston RSL game. Yeah, I've seen the highlights of that too. And Houston looked good. RSL came back into it, but Houston deserved to win that. I mean, out in the East, I haven't watched the Philly New England game from yesterday. I haven't even seen highlights of it. I've I know seen, the score, seen, but I've seen highlights of that. Philly, yeah, looked pretty dominant. Watched a bit of the the Cincinnati Red Bulls game and then just fast forwarded through the rest. Cincinnati very comfortable in yeah. that, looking good. It'll be a huge shock if they don't win the Eastern host the MLS Cup. But Philly might have a few things to say about that. Yeah, but I mean overall. As much as I don't like the three-game series, it's been some good games so far. Nothing's gone to penalties, which everyone thought, oh, some of these games are bound to go to penalties. But so far, none. And then there's still three games to play. It's crazy there's a game on Wednesday. As yes. the first game of a play of set of three, it's just yeah, the scheduling ridiculous is a, schedule. The scheduling is a little bit weird, but I think, again, part of that is stadium things, right? With Partly stadium, partly Apple. And it's like... there. There, there seems very little consideration given to the fans in the timing of these games. For example, the St. Louis-Kansas City game kicking off what it was like after 7 o'clock our time, so like after 9 their time. That's just stupid. They did get a full house, even though the weather was horrendous, but stuff like yeah. that annoys me. But that is it for our Whitecaps chat. That is it for our MLS chat. Let us know how you think the Whitecaps might get on next Sunday. Is it going to game three? Either way, that is it for our chat. We're going to bring you our feature interview, which has a Whitecaps connection, as well as a Vancouver FC connection. That's up next, as we talk to Vancouver FC captain and Whitecaps Academy alumni, Callum Irvin. Hi, I'm Sam Adekubi, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. A picture of tomorrow, there's nothing changing, there's all sorrow. Oh no! Please don't show me! I'm trying to help me! Still I'm following, I'm following your mind's instruction. Oh, how to slowly, sharply, scatter myself to death. Oh, it's how it's the truth! Hey, it points you to my head! It's pointing at you, let me down! Let it all go. It's a horror show. Come on down, 
welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, I've had this in this song in my head since that Whitecaps game last night from 2002. English band The Libertines from their debut album Up the Bracket Horror Show. I've just had the chorus going, Oh, horror show, just after watching that game. And I mean, if you were taking as many drugs as Pete Doherty, maybe watching that defence wouldn't have felt so bad. I, I don't know, but yeah. I mean, you've seen a few horror shows following Vancouver FC this, this season. A couple of fives, a couple of six goals at home. Was it, it was only one six at home, wasn't it? Yeah, one, one six at home, one for two, five. Two fives, because Cavalry scored five as well. Yeah. yeah. The, the poor man that was responsible for picking the ball out of the net so many times over the season, more than any time in his career, which I did ask him a couple of weeks ago when we yeah. had our end of season chat. We can laugh about it now. He appreciated that, I'm sure. Yeah, he wasn't laughing at the time. But mm-hmm. this week, I, I got a chance to sit down with Vancouver FC captain, goalkeeper, Callum Irvin. Man, that came through the Whitecaps Academy. When you think back, we used to watch him back in 2010, 2011, in that fantastic Whitecaps under-18 side that so, like Ben Fisk came through that, Ben McKendry. Yeah. Yep. Oh, it was a brilliant team. They got to the USSDA Championship game. Sadly, lost that one. So was that was that against Dallas? It was, yes. Yeah, but I mean that was such a good team. Callum was such a standout then. Always had high hopes he was going to sign a homegrown deal. Didn't work out. Went away well, to college with Kentucky. Well, he was one of the people who got uh, the short end of the stick of MLS. Rightly shafted, yes. Yeah. We spoke about that because I've never actually really spoken to him uh, about that time. So talked about that coming through the Whitecaps Academy, his career so far, and his time with Vancouver FC. So go stick the kettle on, grab your biscuit of choice, sit back and enjoy our feature interview for this episode with Callum Irvin. <laughs> Callum, um, I know it wasn't really the the season that, that you hoped for. There was ups, there was downs. When you look back on it now, what's your general thoughts on it? I know there was a lot of excitement going into it. And I listened back to a couple of the chats we had before and you did know it was a young team and mm-hmm. it could maybe have gone either way that they would all have to kind of play to their strength. How, how did you see this season play out? Obviously, I think uh, disappointing when you miss out on the playoffs. Um, obviously, the majority of teams in this league make the playoffs, and so you want to be a part of that majority and not the minority that doesn't. Um, I think regardless of being a first-year team, regardless of being a young team, um, the people involved with this club are ambitious, um, and I'm one of those people. Um, you know, I, I come to work every day with the with the ultimate goal of, of winning on the weekend and then turning that into a, a championship at the end of the year. And the end result, I would say, is is disappointing considering looking at it through a sort of a black and white lens. But when you see the work that got put in daily from the guys from such a young group and experienced group and kind of the additions we made midway through the year and the impact that they had and kind of the, the resilience of everybody, I think uh, – I can look at it as a success in that, in that way. Um, there were so many positives to take and 
I thought the fact that we fought until the end and picked up some really good results at the end of the season to kind of show our fans and show the league that, you know, in spite of everything, we weren't just going to pack it in. Um, I, I was so impressed by that and impressed by the guys' resilience. And so, you know, naturally results-wise, disappointed. But uh, beyond that, extremely proud of everything that we accomplished. I think that there's a lot to to take into next year. And as you said, that was one of the big things I took from the team. It would have been so easy to let your heads go down. And mm-hmm. when you're when you're shipping five, six goals and you're you're just not getting the rub of the green from the officials and everything seems to be going against you, it would have been so easy just to kind of quit. But I think those mid-season changes and just the attitude that the team showed, there's so much, I think, that the fans and the players and the whole club can look forward to now for 2024. Yeah, I'm in agreement. Uh, it's I've been on many a team, successful and non-successful, where as the season wears on, it just you just get tired of training with the same people doing the same things, preparing for the, preparing for the weekend. It can, it can become tiresome and it can become grueling and people who are on the fringes of the squad can get restless and, you know, people can start clashing and I've seen it, you know, happen time and time again. And and yet with a squad that's kind of so young and so, um, so new to this and dealing with so much adversity in so many ways to not have it succumb to that, I mean, honestly, I don't think there was a single moment in training where there was a there was a proper bust up, and that's that's pretty pretty wild. Um, yeah, con- I, I've, I've seen a few in my time. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. There's there's definitely room for it in football, and there's nothing there's nothing exactly wrong with it at times. You know, guys can be competitive and release some emotion, but I think um, there wasn't any moments where you thought, okay, this is just getting out of hand. We're losing our heads here. Um, you know, guys are giving up. Uh, it just got stronger and stronger as the season went uh, to those those final stages. And um, I mean, I think when you even look within the matches that we played within the 90 minutes, kind of what we showed in terms of going up a goal, teams coming back, and then us coming back, it's like we even within a 90-minute period, we showed that we were, you know, not giving up. Um, and so... Yeah, I think when you have that kind of mentality, you hope to continue it into the next season with the core group that you have and then make some key additions that can kind of, you know, add on quality, add on mentality, add on experience and um, try and make that happen a little more often than not and not put ourselves in such a tough position. For you personally, obviously wearing the captain's armband, you take a lot of pride in that, but it puts a lot of pressure on you as well. Did you feel added pressure when the results aren't going your way that oh I'm the experienced guy I'm the goalkeeper the defense is shipping goals I I need to do something about this and maybe try a little bit too hard almost at times (laughs) I think naturally um you know it's you're always going to look towards yourself first and foremost that's the that's that's what everybody should be doing when things are going wrong is look at what you're doing and how you can help the situation right um try not to point any fingers and like you said as the captain of the team and for a long time, the oldest guy on the team until uh, Renan, <laughs> we signed Renan, thankfully. Um, it was, uh, yeah, I was definitely, you know, looking at myself and how I could try and, you know, help the guys and whether that's even, you know, me trying to play better or just, you know, offering advice and, and counseling to, to guys who may need it. You know, um, I was definitely uh, looking for solutions throughout the year along with the staff, but, um, 
personally pressure it's just you're always going to feel some sort of a pressure but uh the way i've learned over the years to kind of handle that and and deal with it is to just maintain consistency in your preparation um that for me is the easiest way to to combat any pressure that you may be feeling is you know regardless of the game regardless of winning or losing you have to show up at the same time for training do the same prehab train with the same attitude do the same recovery go to bed at the same time eat the same things like not changing you know trying to be a better pro just because you're losing a few games or you know thinking you can relax because you're winning a few um so that's kind of how I dealt with that um, in terms of trying not to put too much on myself and, and uh, you know, take it on because ultimately football is 11 guys plus the bench and, and you know, people in the squad. So one guy, me, the keeper, I can't change everything. Um, but, you know, I could try and I could try and just be consistent in my example that, um, you know, regardless of results, uh, I'm trying to be the same guy and, and then hope, you know, some people may follow that and we can kind of get out of it through that. I mean, it must be tough, though, when you've got so many first-time pros. And like Rob mentioned at the end-of-season <clears> stuff, that with Renon coming in, guys are seeing what his routine is like and how he eats. And he's been in the game for... like Some of them weren't even born, I think, when he got his first contract as well, which is <laughs> the crazy true. thing. But it's like they've started to pay attention to that and turn up earlier and go to the gym earlier and change their eating habits... So I guess it's just like an education and, and that kind of comes with having a, a young squad and then next year those young guys will learn and the new guys coming in, they can then learn from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the nature of football, right? It's And I mean, it's the nature of a lot of things, but it's especially um, prominent within football just because it's such a game where experience counts and uh, you're not going to know everything at 18 years old, especially if you, you know, Canada, we're still working on a football culture and what it means to be a professional. And the CPL is, I think, doing a great job at teaching young players how to be professionals at an earlier age. Um, because, you know, you get a guy who comes in at 16 to 18 years old and they have a great attitude. They have um, immense potential. But do they know how to apply both of those things in the right way every single day in order to find results as soon as possible and contribute to a team, right? And so when you have guys like Renan, who is a absolute physical specimen. And it's not because he was just born that way. Um, it's because he puts in the work on the daily and at 37, you know, he's, he's training hard every single day. He's doing his recovery. He's doing his prehab. He's eating well, he's doing extra work. It's just guys see that they see the success that he's had. And they also see how humble and approachable he is. And I think that that's another key is that you have to have that mentality that, you know, um, despite what you've done in your career, you still are doing the same things and you're also doing it in a humble way. You don't expect to play just because of your, the career you've had, you know, Renan plays because of what he does in training every day mm. and because of how he takes care of himself. It's not just because he played in Syria and did this, you know, that happened years ago. You can't just rest on your laurels once you've hit those marks. And so he's been fantastic um, since he's come in Um couldn't ask for a more humble, nice guy who just wants to fit in with everybody and and enjoy his football. And um, yeah, those guys are super important. And we're hoping to add probably a few more guys. You know, maybe not the Renans because those are hard to come by. But yeah, add a few more, add a few more guys with experience that can you know set an example, whether it's vocally or just you know showing what they do. Um, because again, I've said many times, we have so many good young pieces here. 
with great attitudes that want to learn. They just need to have those examples. And it helps when you have an example in your position, you know? Oh, yeah. Like we, we chatted with him last week as well. He feels he can go another five five seasons as well, which is like <laughs> yeah. phenomenal. And I don't I wouldn't doubt that. him. No. Yeah. I mean, looking at your own career, I mean, it's been so long since you were in the Whitecaps Academy. I still think... <laughs> Still think of all the guys though at that time, and it's like I had to look mm-hmm. to see how old you were, and it's like, well, yeah, of course you're thirty now because that was like I know. back in 2010, 2011. Yeah, but I mean, does that time in your time at college does that just seem like an age away now? It doesn't. It doesn't. I think it's like anything. It's like when you look at it within the time in between, you go, wow, a lot of stuff has happened. But then when you look back on just that on its own. I remember it like it was yesterday. You know, I remember playing PDL games out in Abbotsford and having the Southsiders come out and, yeah. and uh, doing the Ben 10 cheers for Ben Fisk and uh, supporting us against uh, Abbotsford and, uh, you know, against Victoria and and, and uh, going down and playing in the Academy League and everything. So, um, yeah, it's all so vivid and it seems so close. But then when you reflect upon all the in-between, you go, oh, well, no, it's been 10, 12 years, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I'm not in my early twenties anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, when when you were coming through the academy, when you were at Kentucky, like th- mm-hmm. that, it's nice to see so many of those guys in the CPL because at that point, if you didn't make it in MLS, then you maybe had USL, depending on if guys wanted to go down to the states. But options were so limited, and then, mm-hmm. like obviously, you when you came out of Kentucky with the way that the draft is as a Canadian highly rated keeper but because you're canadian and all the rules no one wanted to touch you so now now mm-hmm. you've got those other pathways for these players i mean it's fantastic did you think that day would come honestly no like in terms of a canadian professional yeah. league coming to fruition within my career you know you always hear kind of rumblings about it um but it all just seems like a pipe dream based upon, you know, the reality of, of what kind of gone on within the country and um, the route that the professional teams had taken and in going into MLS. It kind of seemed like, okay, well, that's the route. We have our three teams and the three kind of big cities um, within the country. And um, it'll be a long time, probably long after I'm done playing that uh, we get a chance at having a, you know, strictly Canadian professional league. So, yeah, it's 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 crazy to think about guys who are able to come out of college and, you know, they're Canadian guys. They went down to the NCAA and, you know, maybe it doesn't work out in MLS, but, you know, somebody like uh, uh, a Dan Nimick, I think, got drafted by the Whitecaps. Yeah, um, I, I was very high on him. I was like, great, yeah. he's here. And then he's done fantastic for himself. Yeah, you know, and he had a chance to go play for Halifax and had a great season and has been talked about a lot and who knows what will happen this offseason. Maybe that'll turn into something, um, an opportunity at a higher level for him. But the fact that he was able to, you know, play in the CPL and, um, you know, other guys have, have been able to do that. It's just, it's so great. And it's, you know, it's a great avenue into the professional game. And, um, you know, some people may become lifers of sorts. Some people mm-hmm. may use it to jump off into, you know, post-career in, in football mm-hmm. um, and others use it to jump up to a higher level. But, Regardless, um, yeah, it's a fantastic option for so many Canadians, and um, it's it's just great that it's here. I, I don't think I've ever really properly asked you this. We had a very brief chat at some preseason tournament in Portland. I seem to think when you were <laughs> had come in at Houston, and 
it's like that draft day. How frustrating was that for you? Because you you had you had to you got a GA, didn't you? Uh, it wasn't a GA. It was a it was a senior senior contract. Ah, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, when, when you're mean, watching that play out, at what point mm-hmm. did you think to yourself, "Yeah, this is not going my way"? Honestly, before I even got in that room on draft day, I I felt like I don't have a clue who's going to draft me. And at the time, you know, I don't want to speak ill upon people, but uh, the agency I was working with at the time um, was one of the bigger agencies, and uh, you know. They got me my senior deal, but ultimately I earned my own senior deal as I was, you know, a first team All American. It's kind yeah. of a no brainer as an agent to bring a first team All American to the MLS and say, this guy has offers to go play, you know, in second overseas in, in Scandinavia or something, right? Um, you guys should sign him to a contract before he leaves so that, you know, he'll stay. So I pretty much earned that contract, I think, on, on my own. And when you're at the combine, you get uh, interviewed by teams. Um, generally, you know, that when, when, when you're there, all the teams, all the GMs, all the head coaches are there and they'll bring guys up to their rooms in the hotel or whatever meeting room they have. And they'll interview guys, get to know them, people that they're interested in. And I didn't have a single interview my whole time I was at the combine. Oh, wow. Yeah. Not, not one team interviewed me and my agents were kind of nonchalant about it. And then it came up to draft day and I ended up in, in Baltimore for the draft and I'm walking in with my, um, my, my, my coach was there from Kentucky and uh, my agent and I was asking him who's like, so is anybody interested? Like what's going on today? And they were kind of brushing it off and saying, Oh, you know, uh, uh, maybe Columbus, maybe Chicago. But at the time Columbus had like maybe 12, 13 guys on their roster and Chicago had Sean Johnson. And then they signed two 28 year old Matt Lampson and Patrick McLean. So I was kind of like, okay, sat there the whole time and nobody drafted me and then uh, went home and then nobody drafted me in the supplemental rounds mm-hmm. either. And my agent called me right after and was like, don't worry, uh, we're going to make this work. But immediately at that point, contract gone, right? They they void the contract if uh, you don't get drafted. So um, yeah, it was one of those weird ones where it's like, I'm supposed to be happy. I'm signing a deal and it was a, you know a solid MLS contract as they were at that point. Um, and yet I was kind of like, this doesn't feel like it's going to happen. You know, I wasn't getting any indication. Um, so it was weird. Um, and immediately after I went to the national team as well. Um, so I got my first call up and so they kept on Morgan Quarry kept calling me and being like, okay, well, like who's drafting you? What's going on? Because at that point they really wanted to avoid unattached FC. That was like, you know, the kind of stigma around a lot of the national team calls yeah. at that point was that everybody was on unattached FC. That was the biggest supplier of the national team. <laughs> and so they really wanted to associate me with a team that was either drafting me or, you know, something along those lines. And I kept on telling them, like, I don't know. I don't have a team. I don't have a team. I don't have a team. And then finally we went through the draft and they ended up just putting University of Kentucky for me on the on the announcement for the roster which I was proud of because I was happy yeah. to be from, you know, from that, from there. And, um, but yeah, it was just, it was an odd time. And I ended up back home at the beginning of March with no club. And it was like, Whoa, what the heck just happened over these last two months? It's just, well, I mean, MLS just in general, all the drafts and things so weird. And then like here in Vancouver, we've, one of the great things you can say about the Whitecaps Academy is they produce so much top goalkeeping talent and they're still <laughs> throwing them out. But you're in that yeah. position where only one guy is going to play. And like, look at yeah. you this year. 
I'm sure you're gutted that you missed that one game, but it's like you've got a keeper that's going to play every game. You're a backup somewhere. It's like, what do you do? How how do you keep a mindset though as a keeper when you're kind of sitting there and you're like, well, I need this guy to get injured for me to play, but obviously I can't think that way because I'm a good teammate. Yeah, it's tough, but ultimately, I mean, like, I don't have to sign the contract. I don't have to be be a goalkeeper. I can do, you know, a number of other jobs. Um, and ultimately, when like when you sign up for this, you have to accept that as a reality. And if you don't, then you won't last. It's mm-hmm. just it's just impossible mentally to not accept the fact that one guy plays, and so you have to do everything you can to show the coach that if there is a slim chance that he should take an opportunity on you, there's no doubt in their mind. You know, that's like the number one job. You've been a good teammate. You supported the guy who's playing, but you pushed him and you never stop competing. um, And you always keep that good attitude. And if you do all those things and at the end of the season, your opportunity never came, at least you can look back and say, it wasn't because of me. There was a difference of opinion. The other guy played lights out and never, you know, deserved to be out of the goal Whatever it was, you just don't want to look back at yourself at the end of the year and think, I could have done more. I should have had a better attitude. I should have trained harder. I should have been a better teammate, you know, because a lot of times an opportunity will come. Mm-hmm. And the coaches are in that room discussing all the time. Um, you know, you're not going to win every game after a loss. They're going to be discussing how do we fix this? And if your name comes up in that position and there's any doubt in their mind, that could be on you. You know, you, you don't want to give them any doubt. So, um that's kind of the main I've, I've been on that side. I played every minute for Ottawa 2017 was a fans player of the year and then got bumped down to third string for whatever reason. Yeah. Max Crapo had a great year. All credit to Max. You know, he like, he didn't deserve to be taken out once he started playing, but um, you know, the way it happened was, was unfortunate I think for me, but then I ended up being a third string the year after playing every minute. And uh, that year, I think I saved myself because I tried to remain a good teammate. Obviously, it was harder at times than others um, and st- still tried to train well. Got released at the end of the season. And then in March that next year, Julian de Guzman calls me and says, hey, we'd love to have you back. We have a different goalkeeper coach. Um, things aren't working out with somebody we're trying to bring in on loan. They got hurt. We know you had a good attitude last year. The head coach is, is willing to bring you back in. Uh, would you like to come? And I came. And then from the moment I came, I think I sat on the bench the first two games and then played every minute after that, you know, for a club that had released me a few months before. And I only got that opportunity because I didn't just completely pie it off the year before yeah. and go, Hey, I'm the third string. Now you guys don't care about me. Well, here's a middle finger and I'm going to whine and moan and blah, blah, blah. You know, I tried to keep a good attitude and then it directly paid off for me the next season. So, um, yeah, I've seen all sides of it as a goalkeeper in the professional game and uh, even in college um, and in the Whitecaps. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I've, I've, I've learned it. I've learned it the hard way. I remember playing so well with the Whitecaps and Brian Sylvester just got brought down every weekend to play in the games. And I just couldn't. I was like, I can't comprehend this. And well, we um, couldn't either. So it was yeah, like, yeah. But yeah. Uh, Reagan, Reagan was super helpful with that. And he gave me uh, a book to read and the biggest thing it was just learning to focus on what you can control right that's like the number one advice that i would give anybody and um that helped me a lot then it helped me a lot in college and it helped me a lot as a pro so when when did you know then that you wanted to be a professional footballer like i know your dad played at sfu and played locally Mm -hmm. and 
football was all around you. But when did you know that that's what you wanted to do? And when did you know that you actually had what it it takes to, to make it in the game? I mean, when I was... I'd say I probably seriously started watching football on television probably around like seven years old, I'd say. Like that's when I really... I would. I knew what I was doing, and I was getting up at seven a.m. to watch Sportsnet on the weekend with Craig Forrest and Jerry Dobson, and watching uh, Man United, you know, play because it was pretty much the only team they'd ever put on. Um, so maybe about seven years old, I started seriously watching, and then when I got to about ten years old, I started training out at TSS in Richmond back in the day. Um, and when I started training out there, that was when it was like, oh yeah, like I am gonna be a professional. Even though I thought it in my head before that, when I was like ten years old, I was like this is it, you know? And two years later, I went over to Europe for three weeks to go play uh, with a travel team with Bart Chauffeurs, the head coach. And that just reinforced it even more. But then as far as knowing that I was going to be a pro, I think there were moments where I felt like I, I had it, but even, you know, after my sophomore season in college where I had a really good year, I still had no idea how I was going to make it professional. So, you know, I'm a, I was 20 years old then, and I was still unsure about, exactly if it was going to happen or how it was going to happen um so it was a process of ups and downs i would say high moments and low moments low moments of like is this for me and then high moments of like oh i'm gonna sign a homegirl with the white caps for sure you know yeah i mean we we all expected you to really but i mean Mm -hmm. again it's the nature of having goalkeepers and the opportunities and Mm -hmm. talking of highs then the championship with pacific Mm mm-hmm do you still get goosebumps thinking about that? Oh yeah, definitely. It's, it was a special, special night, obviously, but it's just, you just, I just enjoyed being a part of that team. Um, So many good guys on that team and so many good players. And when you go through such a long year, like we did, you know, with uh, COVID the year before, Mm. and then even having that kind of the season started at the end of June, beginning of July, and we went to a bubble for a month that year as well. We did like a five-month preseason, essentially, where we were just going at each other for five months straight, not playing anybody else, doing workouts, double days. Like for five months, it's just it's just insane. And then to culminate at, in December our season and, you know, play two away games in the playoffs and end up winning uh, in the final, it was, it was amazing. And for me, I, I pretty much never won anything. Uh, I always was a second place. I was second place in the Academy League. Yeah. Um, I won a regular season championship my senior year in um, Kentucky, but never won our conference tournament when I was there. Always got knocked out first round of the NCAAs. Like each of my junior senior year, we just had terrible injuries at the end of the season that derailed us. And then you know RGV, my first year as a program having a great season, got knocked out dramatically in the first round in the Western Conference. And yeah, it's just like. I was always kind of there, but not there. And so, you know, you start to wonder, they always talk about people who are winners and they have these winners mentality. And it's like a winner just wins. Like some people just know how to win. And I was like, I guess I'm not one of them. I don't like, I don't know what else I got to do. But then when you finally get that first big win, that championship, it's so vindicating and just kind of, you know, you you realize, okay, the way I am as a person and a player can be conducive towards success. Um, cause sometimes you can doubt yourself when, you know, you're not finding that success. So yeah, I still look back fondly upon the, upon that night. Well, hopefully it's not your last championship. So hopefully, hopefully not. more to come. 
What what do the next few weeks and months look like for you then? Because I know training starts at the end of January again for next year, which doesn't seem that far away. So are you just going to take the next few weeks to, to kind of relax a little bit? Yeah, we're just finishing our postseason training now and then uh, probably take a break from football maybe for a month or so. Honestly, for me, at this point, I'm not going to forget how to play. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I think uh, taking some time off um, from actually just definitely catching balls and hitting the ground. Um, I'm, I might still go kick around, but for me, mostly it's getting back in the gym, uh, taking care of any little injuries that I have and making sure those don't carry over into next preseason. And then trying to get a, get away and get a little bit of enjoyment. I'm planning on maybe going and playing some golf in Arizona with a, with a few uh, teammates, family members, ex-teammates, uh, friends, nice. and yeah, trying to do something like that, get some warm weather in. So yeah, but you know, like anybody does just, try and get away from it for a little bit. Cheers, Callum. You've had a great season. It's been fun watching you and catching up with you again, and we'll see you next year. Yeah, I appreciate it, Michael. See you later. Cheers, Callum. Callum Irvin there, always... Great to chat with Cali. We've known him now for over a decade. I said to him there, I had to look his age up. And I, because I, I, I've said this to you before and I said it on the show, I still think of these guys as so young. And yes. you see that, oh, he's 30 now and stuff. Yeah. And you're like, makes you feel even older than you are. Yeah. But he remembers all this as if it was yesterday. And I mean, it was interesting hearing him talk about that like draft day experience and he, he went into the draft, he signed that senior contract, so he had that MLS deal, but he's saying to his agent, what's going to happen here? Because no club's shown any interest in taking me because I'm Canadian. And he was the highest rated keeper in the draft that year, yeah. but with the stupid MLS rules, it just wasn't to be and it, it didn't work out and he didn't get that MLS deal. And the problem that we've had here in Vancouver, which is a nice problem in one way, we've been a conveyor belt of goalkeeping talent through the Whitecaps Academy. And it's a spot where, barring injury or horrendous performances, you've got one guy that's pretty much going to play the whole year. And mm -hmm. it's hard for these guys to get opportunities and you've had Callum, you've had Marco Carducci that we'll be talking about yeah. in the next part. And it's one of those things, it's just, you're so grateful that you've got the CPL, that you've got that outlet for these guys to play. Now, Callum went and played USL, albeit for a Canadian team towards the end. He had three years at Ottawa, and I mean, he spoke there about the ups and downs at Ottawa. But then got the chance to go to Pacific, win a championship. And it, it was funny hearing him say, some players you see win all these trophies and he hasn't he hadn't won anything up to yeah. that point. And he's thinking to himself, maybe I'm just not one of these guys that's meant to win a championship. But now he's got one yeah. and he wants another one. And I mean, you'd love to see him do it with Vancouver FC. Obviously, you definitely would. But for me... He was Vancouver FC's player of the year. And I know the Fanatics didn't give it to him. Was it Rocco Romeo that got yours? Yeah, Rocco Romeo. That that was yeah, the supporter one. I voted I voted for, for Callum in the, the club one where he won. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, it would have been Callum followed by Gabby Bittar with the great end to the season that Gabby had. But I mean, as horrific as that first half of the season was with those goals that were getting shipped, most you could not pin on Callum. A couple you could, but you think of the saves that he made in some of those games as well. And it's like, whoa, without those, it would have really got out of hand. Yeah, you're right. There were a few moments where I, he'd want to have back maybe two or three that were really, really, really not at his standard. But yeah, on the whole, there were so many games, and and there was games that he, you know, saved them, one points, uh, and games where even when things were going bad, where he kept the morale from getting even worse, <laughs> or or like kept things to you know a respectable scoreline. So, I mean, even yeah. a couple of games I was at, there was some spectacular saves in that, the end point oh, yeah. or end all three points. And Oh, yeah. We spoke about it when the signing was made. He's a great addition for the club, both on the pitch, off the pitch, in the community, a local lad, so likeable as well. And it's crazy to think that this is the first time in his pro career that he's had the chance to play in the lower mainland. Hadn't ever played a game here before, because when he was with the Toros in the USL he didn't play in the game that they had against WFC 2 here yeah yeah. so crazy crazy stuff but a great addition to VFC he's, hopefully he'll build on that for next year now for, for real he's a quality quality guy I have a lot of time for him um, and yeah really excited to hopefully see him yeah one day lift another CPL championship that'll be fantastic well talking of CPL championships talking of Vancouver Whitecaps goalkeeping alumni. Yeah. We'll talk about one of them next in that championship game from this year because we're going to talk CPL in the next part and we'll be back with that after this. I'm David Edgar and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. You ride to the 
Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's the final song. It's always sad at this time of the month. It's the last song from our Artist of the Month from Italy. Gothic post-punk band They Die from their debut album from 2020, Deviant Love. Tried to get a song that fitted in with Halloween. I was saying to Caitlin, oh, what one will I pick? And she was like, aren't they all like Halloween kind of songs? I was like, I guess so. So I went with one of the, the songs from their first album. That was Bride Into the Dark. We'll have a new Artist of the Month on the next show. And it'll be our last Artist of the Month for a while. Because next year I've got some plans for, for new stuff. We're not going to have an Artist of the Month. December is your Christmas. Yeah, and it's going to be our festive 15 that we're going to do, which I need to actually start working on putting together. I'm, I'm torn as to who we're going to have for the last Artist of the Month, maybe ever, but definitely for now. Got a couple of Scottish bands in mind. Uh, an old band from the 90s that I loved called Biss that uh, are still going. They've got a new album out. They did the theme song to the Powerpuff Girls. Powerpuff! Do, 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 do. So maybe them. Uh, Simon from Biffy Clyro, he's got his thrash metal band, Empire State Bastard. So they could be our Artist of the Month next month as well. Who's it going to be? It could be a surprise. Maybe I'll pluck some obscure foreign band as well. We'll see how we do with that. We'll get back to the the football chat now. We're going to talk CPL in this part. Little look at the CPL Championship, talk about a couple of games that we saw off Vancouver FC as well this week. But I want to start things off by looking at the award winners in the CPL. Because they had their ceremony on Thursday night. I haven't watched the ceremony, Zach. I did watch the start of it on Twitter because someone shared it with me and said, Have you seen Gareth Wheeler? do his Ricky Gervais-style roast of the players and the managers at the start of the awards. No, I said. That does not sound like something I want to watch. Oh, you should, they said. It's terrible. And I watched it, and it was terrible. Did you see it? Uh, I heard good things about the award show, except for that part. I have no. I did not watch it. Uh, I, I won't. Wa- yeah, I won't watch that. That's for sure. Just, just um, to to throw in one of the examples. He was trying to roast Patrice Geyser for being bald. Yeah. So I, I, that's, I'll, that's what coaches and players want when they go to an awards ceremony. All I'll say is it's not I don't I don't think it's an accident that he's doing less games on the on the calls. Yeah. I like Adam Jenkins. I think he's a fantastic oh, commentator. I'm glad yeah. he's getting to do those ones. Yeah. But we'll, we'll go through what awards there were. And you can see if there's any that you disagree with. There is a couple here that I, I would maybe have things with, but Tommy Fielding Jr., Coach of the Year. For me, absolutely, because it's based on the regular season and everything that was done up to the championship game. And for me, Tommy deserves it. Yeah, is it... Remind me, did um, did Bobby win last year? Because I think last week, I, never mind I, last year. I think he's never won, which is so. Oh weird. no, he hasn't. He hasn't yeah. ever won Coach of the Year. Yeah. So I, we I'm talked not saying, about that last year. I'm not. I don't disagree with uh, Tommy, but it's really weird that the dude has not won Coach mm-hmm. of the Year 
And it feels like I think this year, I think there I think it would have been like, yeah, Bobby's gotta win. But then Tommy had the year he had, and like, yeah, okay, we gotta we gotta give it to Tommy because we'll get roasted if we uh, no no pun intended to what you were just talking about. But we'll get roasted. We'll get roasted if we don't give it to him for for what yeah, he's done, especially by Tommy. And, and, and we give it and we give it as a legacy to to Bobby. That would yeah. be really bad. Uh, Cavalry swept the board pretty much. Defender of the year was Dan Klomp, and I think he's had a fantastic year. He also got the player of the year, and he was my vote from weeks ago. And I spoke to to Tommy about that, saying that he was who I felt was the player of the year and I didn't think he'd get it because defenders don't seem to get these awards that usually give it to attackers which is uh, great to see well but the thing yeah. is he partly gets it because he does contribute going forward as well yeah right like he's he yeah, he's not just known for his defending even though he's uh, one of the league's best or the the best defender he he also scores right so and yeah helps create so let me throw this out to you Dan Klomp to the Whitecaps. Too inexperienced uh, for what they're needing. Um, you never, you never know. I, I, I don't. I forget how old Dan is now. I think he's twenty-five. I'll double check that. He's still uh, fairly young. I feel like I, like. I feel like the Whitecaps, if they're going to take people from CPL, it's going to be more like their attempts to. He is twenty-five. Yeah, it'd be more like their attempts to get like a TJ Tahid, which they've failed at doing. Yeah, you know, it's it's gonna be a younger. I don't player. think he's gonna help them in the center back department. No, he wouldn't. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I I don't know if that's the. Uh, but that's the kind of that's the exact age of the player that they need. A guy yeah, that's got experience, come through the Dutch system, was with Nak Breda. Yeah, NAC Breda. Yeah, but I uh, I don't think I don't think. They, I don't think he has the pro experience that they that they're that no. they're looking for, right? Like, I, I, in the same way, in the same way that you have told the story multiple times of how Robbo has told you he would have got roasted for bringing in players who could score by the bucketsfuls in lower level the UK pyramid. Yeah, he wanted he wanted to bring in the top scorer from the the national league, but he knew if he brought him in, it'd be like, oh, get, what are you he doing? He would get roasted. I think there might be a little bit of that with the Whitecaps. If it worked out, they'd be great. If it didn't, if it didn't work work out, like didn't go really well, I think they would feel like their fans would be like, "Well, you let us down again by bringing in someone that's not right for this this if, role." If I'm looking at depth, though, I put him ahead of Karifa Yao, Matteo Capania. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, you're you're looking at that. I think he'd be ahead of brown maybe even i was gonna say i'd maybe have my head on laborda as well so oh, laborda yeah laborda for sure i think i mean it Especially depends a, if, if dan wants to back. come and not play a starting role but maybe just get some minutes here and there earn his spot maybe earn being a starter because remember too they've 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 brought in amir didich to look at him from mm -hmm. cpl and decided to pass right yep. so i i feel uh, dan clomp's a better player than amir i was just didich. gonna say yeah. dan clomp's a different and definitely in this moment a higher a more highly rated player but yeah i don't know that that's the avenue they the, the white caps want to go down but probably not i, I was high in clomp last year and i've been even higher on him this year and it's great to see that he's picked up these two awards to be honest yeah it would be interesting though for sure if that's the route they wanted to go the the cpl players player of the year went From to white another Cap. white caps academy alumni ali musi yeah, I, gonna... I was also oh, see if his goal had won it 
which we'll come to the game in a second. I had the the famous "Ay ay 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 musi, ay 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 musi" song that I was going to have to kick off this part, and then didn't get it. I want to have a, a sit down chat with Ali actually just about his Korean stuff, so we can play it then, I guess. Yeah, we. Well, I want I want to talk about him when we talk about the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we'll save that. Golden Boot, your your good chum, oh. Meyer Bevan. He went down a couple of times in the in the final. Michael, he doesn't die if he just severely embellishes. Well, he fell over the ball in the one that set the goal up. The slow, yeah, that was that was quite comical. The commentators are like, oh, he might have been clipped there. He fell over the ball. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Meyer Bevan and Ollie Bassett shared that, that Golden Boot Award. I was too bad for him. Yeah. This is these last two are the ones I'm not sure about. So best Canadian under twenty one player, Mattia De Brienne. It was between him, James Cameron, and Quasi Poku. Surely Poku deserved that. Yeah, but here's the thing. Uh I know obviously Valor was the worst team in the league. Yeah. Um um, De Brienne, I think only De played. I couldn't. I was like De Brienne. I couldn't remember how I, you I, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but anyways, I, I, he only played. I think in the latter portion of the season, but apparently he did play Coel. Obviously, I didn't watch a lot of Valor except for when when we were playing them. But um, I do know one thing. I do remember about him is kind of for me surprising at the time. Uh, Adam Jenkins, the aforementioned Adam Jenkins, included him in his team of the year. Which I thought was like oh. wow. I think wow, he must have really stood stood out like more than I noticed in the games when when we when we played them and any other time when I was watching highlights. Yeah, uh, never stood out for me either. But so Whereas I know there's, who did. I, there's a lot of people who are high high on him. Uh, I think it was awesome for James Cameron to to be on the list yeah. as he was a he was a standout again. Another one of the the five uh, local players who, who all made significant contributions for Vancouver FC this year, and uh, yeah. He's already. I don't. Well, I don't know. I don't know how much we can talk about. He's already. Uh, he's already expanding his development. Let's just put it that way. Oh, interesting. So he's going on loan or trading somewhere. Is what you're saying? Reading between the lines. The last award, the Golden Glove. Now, if they'd given this after Saturday's final, I'd have been like, "Yeah, Tristan Henry deserved it. He had some fantastic saves in that final." How can you not give that to Marco Carducci? That one smacked off. We don't want to give Cavalry every single award. No, I am someone who's been highly critical of uh, Tristan Henry uh, in general because he is the kind of keeper who will one game win you the game and the next game lose you the game. Mm. Um, and he had moments like that both this, uh, both both those types of moments this year. But he had a number of times where. Where he, I think he did more of the more of the winning than the losing games for them this year, and I think that's why he got it. I mean, there was the game was it against Electrical Ottawa where I think he stopped the penalty and made like two or three incredible saves and won them a point in Ottawa that they had no no um, no reason to to expect to get. Um, and he did that a few a few other times. Um, did he still make gaffes? Yes. Um, I, I I would I would have obviously preferred Marco Carducci had won this because I appreciate him so so deeply and dearly. But I'm I'm not as put off by this one as I might have been in previous seasons when he's won. And yeah, and then if you want, yeah, like you said, that one save he made in the final was unbelievable. 
The third goalkeeper that was nominated as well was Valor's Ryan Yesley, which might surprise people from the, the bottom team in the league, but we just spoke about how well Callum Irvin had done for a, a team that was down the bottom as well. But did you see the tweet? I retweeted it from Jordan Santiago, who is an ex-pro with Cardiff, uh, with SC Vindam. He also was the former head goalkeeper coach at Cavalry and has worked with West Ham in youth and stuff as well. He was, lo- he was said about Yesley's nomination, would love to see the stats behind these CPL nominations. Yesley is terrible, not even a debate. He is bottom three goalkeeper in the league. I've seen better hands on a snake. Yeah, I saw you retweet that. So uh, I had a good conversation with ARG about this. Oh, uh, and when we were AGR at the- even? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, arg, you're talking to a pirate. Is it because I look like Johnny Depp? Oh, man. Call back to the last episode. Thank you for editing this out, Michael. Oh, um, this, this is staying in. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, I'm sorry. A-G-R. Uh, A-G-R, Alex and I were talking about this at the um, Vancouver FC Media Day when we were hanging out afterwards. And um, he said to me, because I said I was surprised by it. Obviously, I know for people like yourself, Michael, all you can think about is his performance at Swan Guard in front of a, yes. with a horrible, horrible team in front of him. I've never um, seen a big keeper get smaller as he dived for a ball. Yeah. Um, but what Alex was reminding me of that night is actually he has some incredible stats for the year. So that guy was asking, well, what are the stats? And yeah, Alex was telling me that he had done some digging on that or some deep diving on that. And the stats were like he was in the upper echelons of the league or whatever. Um or even maybe in some cases top of the league in certain things. I think he was like top of the league in or one of the top top of the leagues for you know shots faced and shots saved obviously because Valor was not the, not, uh, the worst team in the league yeah, but I imagine he would have faced a lot but yeah so his his statistics supposedly were were really really good um and so I, that, I think, I, that's I think I've seen better hands on a snake could be up there for our quote of the year in the end of year awards yeah I like that one too <laughs> it's quite a harsh bidding of the guy though but yeah I, I do, I do, I do agree with him in terms of I would. Like I, t- I told telling Alex, I would have chosen someone else. Um, I, I, th- I feel like um, the CPL. Yeah, I'm not saying all the all the keepers are amazing or anything, but I feel like it's one of the positions where most teams, or like all all teams, are at least solid to good. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's the, the and obviously it's a position where you can only field one player at a time. But um, I think it's not like you're not like oh you know. Like I think p- people's biggest issue with the league, you would say that the position that needs the most fixing is obviously refereeing. But yeah, well, <laughs> touching on that, then I, I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch Mark Noonan's whole um, state of the league commissioners a- address yet. But one of the things that he did mention, which we we can talk about, is he was asked about VAR, and he said they've looked at it. It is expensive. So what they have to weigh up just now is, do they want to spend the money on that? Or do they want to spend that money in developing another area of the game in the league, such as affording more under-18 spots on the roster? And to me, 
the answer is, yes, they do want to spend it on VAR. Because th- there's League One for developing under-18 players. Under-21 players, under-23 players. It's like, this is meant to be the Canadian Premier League. And this goes back to our discussion that we had before is should the under-21 become under-23 minutes and should they be pushing for having older players in the league? This league needs to spend the money on VAR. Don't spend it on youth development. Allow the other leagues below the CPL to develop these younger players. Have affiliations that you could bring them through. Have some kind of mechanism even for having call-ups or whatever. But this money needs to get spent on VAR. I would agree with you because for two reasons. One is, yeah, it hurts the credibility of the league when every week everyone is seeing the the massive mistakes that are not being able to be corrected through a system like VAR or even VAR Lite. And two, because I think that, one, they are doing good work at developing young Canadians with their under-21 rules like we've talked about in the past. Um, and they're not uh, set up uh, to at this moment to have their own academies and all that kind of stuff. So I, I agree with you. They do need to work with uh, local clubs. They do need to work with league one BC or sorry, league one clubs where, wherever they are located, if they have them um, and, and, and that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I would agree with you that at this moment, I think, I think for giving the league better credibility, I think having VAR or VAR light would be extremely helpful and how it's perceived, which can then therefore down the road enable them to grow to a place where, yeah, if they want to expand more spots for U18s or whatever they, they could, or 18-year-olds, they could. Mm. I mean, they did take a step this year, or they already took one step this oh, yeah. year with that. Uh, with that's, uh, you know, uh, the deal that TJ was on was part of this uh, bringing in younger players. And James Cameron, I think, was uh, on and, as well. And there's a guy in Forge as well. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, and so it it gave I think every club two new spots or whatever. So they they've already done that. I think that's a good step. But yeah, VAR is something that I would agree with you is desperately needed, or some kind of help for the officials is desperately needed. The the other thing that I've seen from from Noonan, and I will look at the whole thing, and then we can like break that down in our kind of December CPL roundup show. He was asked about expansion. And on Friday, he had said, yeah, there's been 15 notes of interest. On Saturday at half time, he mentioned there's been another one signed on the Saturday. So there's 16 notes of interest of bringing new teams, expansion teams into the CPL, which I had a word with someone within the CPL arena. I'll keep it vague. That came as a very big surprise to them because they were like, that's not what I'd heard, but maybe. Yeah, so I think I haven't asked about this in great detail in a while, but yeah, there are there are groups that are looking at things, but that doesn't mean things are as far down the road as that, you know. It doesn't mean there's going to be 16 new teams in four years. No, he did say that he expects to have two new teams in 2025. Yeah, I think that would be that would be nice. And you're you're always hoping Quebec's definitely won. Kelowna yeah. has been murmured for quite a while as well. Yeah, that would be nice. Be, be nice aside from when the weather's horrible. But 
which I hot and cold because in League One there's been issues the last two summers with getting games played with smoke, with heat. Yeah, with the smoke, ev- yeah. everything like that as well. So I mean that's stuff that you have to obviously watch out for. But I mean hopefully that just shows that the league is in a good state. It's the fifth year of the league, the fifth championship game, and for the fourth time in five years, Forge FC are the CPL end of season champions, lifting the brand new North Star Cup, which is a great improvement on the microwave plate. Yeah, it was nice to see them actually do do some good work there. Cause the It's really nice. It was very underwhelming that first year with the you know the microwave plate yeah. syndrome. And I also love how the fact that they've now made the league winners get a, a shield yeah. and this is actual cup and like I, I think they've They've taken good steps. I think there's some people involved that are influencing that in a good way. So, um, yeah, happy, happy for that. Uh, what do you think of the d- design of the trophy? It, it looks I, like I it, like it. It looks like a combination of like two or three other different trophies. Yeah, and obviously you can't get. I mean, the, the MLS Cup one is always awkward to me because it looks like it's supposed to be like a the the child of the Champions League trophy or something. Um, uh, and this this also has that feel to it with the you know the ears the arms just for the, also, the curves yeah but it also the middle of it looks to, reminds me of like like the UEFA Cup or mm. the Europa League trophy and so, so it's, it's got these potential homages or nods to these other things but is 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 its own kind of has its own kind of flavor as well so yeah. really 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 happy for that and a, and a really like I mean we saw cavalry lifted a, a few weeks ago now but. I really like the having a plate, obviously being, you know, like like they do in Germany, like they do in Holland, and yeah, I like that for the league. Yeah. It was a fantastic final. Maybe a bit cagey for the, the first 70, 75 minutes of the of the regulation time. Then the game kind of just exploded in an extra time. Wow. Yeah, like I said, that's the only part I got to watch live, but Definitely oh, no. You got the great part then. No love lost between these two teams on the pitch. No, but I mean we we won't break everything down. But three absolutely cracking goals. Yeah, Ali Musi so delighted for him. Mm-hmm. That strike, it was pinpoint, and I was a bit like when I was because I didn't know the score as I mentioned at the start. I was watching it on on delay. When I saw them celebrating the way that they were celebrating, the immediate thought I had in my head was, this is not over yet. Don't like take your eye yeah. off the ball here. It feels like you're celebrating because you think you've won it. Yeah. I mean, you can, I don't blame them for the release. And the oh, joke. no. But, but it's like but, you've got to yeah. keep that focus. And I think I, they let that slip. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you that, yeah, it, it, I had that feeling of like, yeah, they, they need to dial in now. It's not, it's not, don't put up the mission accomplishment. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's time to it's time to keep fighting. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a great strike. Again, yeah, like you mentioned earlier, Meyer Bevan with his uh, what looked like a, at least a, a hint of his antics, um, and and yet gets a crazy assist while lying on the ground after going down easy, and it paid off enormously in the moment for his team. Ali Musi with a with a great finish. The one thing I wanted to say about Ali Musi. That was, uh, and I get. I was watching. I think like you. I think I also had the audio down for this when I was watching it. Um, 
he looked really disappointed to be taken off in that extra time. Yeah. And and I did not have the I did not have the volume on. And aside from his expression, I thought, why are you taking off one of your, if not your most creative player, or who can cause the most concern going forward in terms of maintaining possession of uh, someone who can run the ball to the corner and, and probably hold it there for a little bit, um, who can be an outlet if you need to um, release pressure, all these kinds of things. I know it's a long game and he put it in a shift and all that kind of stuff. But I thought when he came off, I was like, I, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't think that's the best. And they kept on going. I don't know if they kept on going back to him because he scored the goal again. I wasn't listening to the audio. But man, he he looked like his dog died the rest of the, you know, the rest of the game on the bench and then after the game, obviously, like the rest of them were incredibly sad. And um I, yeah. I like as soon as the final whistle went, I haven't seen anything after that. Oh, I, did, okay. I didn't want to see Ford celebrate again, so I just I just switched off and then just focused on the on the Whitecaps game. I also had AEW collision to try and catch up with. Oh. Yeah, How was that? I, I got to bed at three o'clock and ended up waking up today at just after 11. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, but no, but that, yeah, not... it, was a, it was a great goal, 101st minute. Yeah. And then it was about two minutes in a first half stoppage time. Yeah. The, oh, what a strike. Baddy banga, baddy binga. Scored a banger. Yeah. That was an absolute beauty. I like Tommy's comments afterwards of, yeah, if you lose a final with one worldie, uh, fair enough, but we've lost it to two. I just can't believe it. Well, I think it was after that goal went in. You, you saw the melee that Borges got into, right? I, yeah. I, I thought I, in the moment, I thought, oh, he could get sent off here. And I thought, oh, it's a final. They're not going to send him off. Um, I can't remember who it was he got into it with now. He got uh, into it with not the person that... Was it Trafford? It yeah. Was yeah, it was Charlie Trafford. Yeah, because Trafford got a booking. Traf- I mean, Trafford... Everyone hates both Trafford. the goals. <laughs> He's on oh, the yeah. line as the ball just flies over his head for both of them. Yeah, that's true. I, he's, I heard, not, he's not a popular guy. I, 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 take it, I, I take it a lot of people don't like to play against him. I didn't mean mm-hmm. him personally. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. To play good. against him. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. So I think then, Borges... Because I, I might be mixing this up because there was a, a lot going on that I was watching last night and I was tired. I think I put it back because I was like, oh, it's a stromash. I want to see, hear this with the sound up. I'm pretty sure Borges said he stepped on me. I think that was the incident. Oh, I mean, you see it back. Trafford does go over him, and his studs do go in his thigh. Oh right, right, right. Again, there's there's no VAR. No. So so players know that maybe they can get closer to or slightly cross the line, and not maybe they can get away with it, which you never want to do in a final. But because I I was watching it and. I was like, oh, if I was a player just now and Borges was squaring up to me, I'd, I'd be in this face going, you're a shadow of your former self. What have you done since you've come back? And that's <laughs> the exact thing that went through my head. He'd have had a good answer for me. He'd have been right in my face after scoring the winner. Yeah, that goal. What man. a winner. Like, yeah. to win any game, but to win a championship with an Olympico? Yeah. Do you feel Marco... Could have done more. This might surprise you to know where I put the blame. There was nobody on the back post. No, wasn't there? I no. thought there was. 
Nobody in the back. Trapper was ball. close to the back post, oh, but he was yeah. closer to Marco. He was not on the back post. If yeah. someone was on the back post, there's a pretty I, good chance they would have headed that away. Maybe you're right. Uh, I feel bad for Marco because he is closer to the near post and or takes a step in that direction. And then it goes over his head and I was always gutted for him. Um, oh, I just gutted for him and everyone. And, I was like, oh. Yeah. And I sent him a message to that effect. Uh, but he, yeah, here's the thing. Here's the thing I want to say. So yeah, it was, it was, it's great. It was a great goal. It's great for the league. It wasn't the kind of Olympico, Michael, where you're like, oh, like it's all on the keeper. Like that's just dodgy keeping. Oh yeah, or, no, no, no. Or, or you're like, or you're like, oh yeah, it was a windy day at Bima or windy day in Hamilton, you know? And like, they just got lucky. He just swung that in there, right? Like there, there appears to be at least some intent from Borges. Like this is not like Ronaldinho at the World Cup against England where it's like, yeah, he was crossing that and it's somehow. Well, he's ended. done it before. Exactly yes. the same spot in 2019. Exactly. Um, uh, so it's quality for the league and really, really awesome. What I wanted to say, though, was uh, I really, and I said this to Marco as well, I really, really appreciated, uh, and I know it's part of gamesmanship or, uh, you know, the the mental battle or, the you know, the the war of words and whatever. I really appreciated Tommy's pregame comments going into the final where, and, and I like actually how the league actually has the language the league has used around this as well. I think they're taping it, taking a, a step in the right direction in how they're framing all this. When Tommy said in the in the lead up to the game, yeah, we've won the league. We're the best team in the league. We we this this is our league. This is just like icing on the cake, or this would be awesome if we wanted, you know, because we haven't or whatever. Yeah, but he's it's like, like a CPL cup almost. Because yeah, he yeah. kept talking about doing the double. Yes. So he's picked so his he, words very carefully. Exactly. He's like, we are the champions. Now it would be nice to win this cup as well. But for he's like, you know, whatever. So I really, and then this TPL, if you notice in all their posting about it, they're like, Forge are the playoff champions. They're not the champions. Oh, I hadn't noticed that. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's on every post they made, but I've definitely seen it. And uh, I think that's, and I assume that that's the influence of someone like KJ, right? Who's like, hey, we need to market this in the right way. We need to we need to have the model, uh, the football model, not the North American sports model, where the league is the most important and shows who is the best over the longest period of time. Because right now the CPL has it in a good way, where you're playing a balanced schedule. You can't say, "Oh, that team had it easier," or "That team got to play the worst team more," or you know, "That team got to take twelve points from Edmonton," or whatever. You know, like it's it's a balanced schedule, and and um, yeah. It, I, I, I don't know. I really, really like that. And the, and then I also, I mean, on, on the other end of things, I did appreciate Bobby's pregame comments where he talked about how, um, you know, we have a culture where we have to win. But is this what he was saying? It's not easy being a Forge player. Yeah. I, I love that. Forward. I thought because that was fantastic. I, I love Bobby. Like, I don't like Forge, but it's just because they keep winning, I guess, is the main thing. And because it kind of feels like the Ontario ballot bias. But Bobby Smyrniotis, yeah, he deserves a bigger platform. And I've said before, if Fanny leaves here, I want Bobby to be the next head coach here. Yeah, I that would be very good for the Whitecaps. Um, yeah, I have a lot of time. I love a lot of time for him. Like I agree with you. Like I'm not. I'm not. I don't. I don't like the Forges one again, and I don't really 
like Forge or the, like some people who work for them and some of their fans that I know who are friends with. I love yes, um, like I, the Battalion. There's some great folk involved. Oh yeah, I love David Edgar. Um, yes, you know, like, but, uh, but yeah, but anyways, uh, Bobby, someone I have a lot, a lot, a lot of time for, and so, anyways, I liked how they built up the game. Uh, congrats to Forge on yeah going four to five. Obviously, Felipe is going to be over the moon. Um, Cocka hoop, cock a hoop, as you would say, Michael. But yeah, it, another the other good thing is it was uh, you, correct me if I'm wrong. This is by far the best final they ever had, right? Even though it yes. was all it was all in the it, 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 the business was all done in the extra time. It was by far the best final I remember in the CPL. Yeah, and the, uh, sorry, in the CPL playoffs. I mean, it, it was cagey for the for a big chunk of the start of the game, but these games are going to be like that. These teams play like that. So many of their games. It's, it was something like 23 of their 25 meetings have been settled by a goal. Mm. And got another one now to, to add to that as well. And it's a great rivalry. It's a great legacy. And we can debate this when we do our CPL roundup as well. But, yeah, I mean, you've got Forge up there in the CPL. You've got the Whitecats back in the CSL days as well. And it's it's two teams that have that legacy and... They've done fantastic. It's it's great for them. In some ways, it's not great for the league because yeah. it, just for interest, you kind of just want other teams to be winning it. So it's great that Pacific at least got that one to to break it up. But they are they're they're a dynasty. They're a football yeah. dynasty. There's no getting away well, from it. They've been in all five finals. Michael, what are your thoughts on the the crowd at the at the playoff final? Thirteen thousand nine hundred twenty five is the announced attendance. I was a bit disappointed by it because they'd made a, so much of oh this was going to be the biggest crowd and when I when I first saw it because I, like I got to watch the first twenty minutes before I had to head up to UBC and I was like oh man it doesn't look that that big a crowd after all but you never know because of where the cameras are and who's on the other side so when I saw what the final attendance was I I'll be honest I was quite disappointed by that for a championship game yeah. It actually is less than they had last year in Ottawa because Ottawa was 14,992. Wow. So they, no, the, the weather, I'm not sure how much the weather compared. Uh, it was, yeah. It, it was, I mean, it's a cold, it's a cold day. Having some, as someone, and there's a few, a few, I know there's some people who start podcasts who were in Hamilton on, on that uh, very cold uh, World Cup qualifier versus the United States in January in Hamilton. Mm. I'm sure it wasn't that cold, but it was, it looked like a cold. Can't, At least it wasn't raining, right? Because the, yeah. the, the game against Pacific in in Hamilton, the playoff final, was horrible weather. It was raining and gross and whatever. This there was at least no rain, but yeah, a little a little bit disappointing. I'm sure they're like publicly they'll say, "Oh, we're we're happy," you know, whatever, blah blah blah. But I think internally they'll be a little bit disappointed that they didn't do better than last year's final in Ottawa, and that it wasn't wasn't more than that, right? I I just want next year's final to be out west on a day when I'm not commentating so I can finally get to one of these because that's five so far and I've not been able to get to any of them. Yeah. Well, you, 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 you have a complex schedule, so... Yeah, it doesn't help that it's like college playoff time right in the, the heart of the end of the season either. But, but maybe, that, you, maybe you take Jim Brennan's spot and, and be next to Jenkins sometime. I don't think I've got as good clothes as Jim. Oh, there I don't you go. a suit for one thing. Oh, I can turn up in my big bear costume. 
Do you have to wear a suit? Is that mandatory? Uh, they kind of like you to look at least half decent. I saw a thing on some Star Wars, a Star Wars meme recently, and it was like, um, this is how, I forget, this is how society expects men to dress or something. It might, it might have been a, anyways, and it was like uh, Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen, like dressed in like normal clothes or whatever. And then it was like, this is how men want to dress. And it was like them in their, their Jedi garb. Them in their Chewbacca costumes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but finishing up the CPL chat, that is the end of the season. So now it's the the tough time. Players will be getting released. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of announcements coming up over the, the course of this week. Anyone that saw the AFT and Twitter will see we did reveal one of the players that is leaving Vancouver FC is Sean Hundle. And I just had to announce that, obviously, because of Hundle's comments earlier in the season about the Whitecaps, the little dig he had that, oh, it's Vancouver is wanting a winning team. It's nice to have a winning team. Those comments that came back to haunt him so much in the coming weeks. And I, I don't know whether you agree with this or not, but from comments that I've had, and obviously it's a small sample size, it did turn a lot of Whitecaps fans off following Vancouver FC, wanting to come out and support Vancouver FC. And whether that is the kind of fans that you want to track there or not, Zach, that is the kind of fans that the club do need to get. They need to get that crossover in the big Venn diagram. And comments like that didn't help. And I, there's been a lot of fans quite happy that he's now moved on. That aside, I think finished the season, joint leading scorer with six goals, lost his place when Alejandro Diaz came in. And you can understand in a way you've brought in a former Golden Boot guy coming in, taking his spot. But then Diaz wasn't performing. So I do feel a little bit for Hundo in losing his spot because he had earned that spot. But then Gary Batar then started to hit his stride as well. Yeah, I think it's a, it's for me it's a complex issue, right? Like um Sean Hundo will always have like a place in the history of the club because he scored the first ever Oh, of course. Goal. Yeah. So he'll always be connected in that way. Um I think on the field, I think there was even at the beginning of the year there was concerns about him maybe not being able to do um some of the dirty work and some of the other types of things that need to be to be done to help the side be more successful, whether that was holding the ball up or obviously helping in pressing or helping out defensively. Um, but obviously he was just a massive part of the team, especially in the first half, half of the year. I think the, the things I've heard about his attitude towards some of these things and towards uh, ultimately having less minutes on the field because they brought in Diaz are a little bit, disappointing on one level maybe naive on another level because it's like this is how football works you, you have to be able and and sometimes in my experience in connecting with footballers many of whom i deeply appreciate over the years they don't always they're not always able to have the greatest grasp of the bigger picture they're very much focused on themselves and their own careers which is totally understandable on one level but they're also playing a team game right mm. and so you need to be able to step back and say, we need to be better. And that might include them bringing in people in your position. And you can 
you, how you respond to that is up to you, right? You can respond to that with disappointment or whatever, or you can take that challenge on and try and maintain your spot, win your spot, play in other play in other roles around or play in combination with that person or whatever. And it was very, very apparent right away. And we talked about it on the show that Sean wasn't a great fit to work with Diaz, even when Diaz was in that good vein of form or good kind of yeah. good run he had at the beginning. And I, I remember I said, how do, we, how do you fit them both in the team in the yeah. way that Afshin wanted to play? Yeah. And the answer was, well, you can't. Yeah. And so the fact that it it's it's being reported by people like yourself that, that he's now gone is not surprising to anyone amongst the supporters. Um, and although there is, a, you know, a tinge of disappointment in terms of, um, yeah, the guy who scored the first goal is no longer yeah. here. There's not a lot of people who are like, oh yeah, I'm highly disappointed <laughs> because, because, yeah. because of what I'm not saying is his attitude, but what appears to be his attitude. So I'm, and perception in football, as you know, is, is yeah. very important. So I mean, well, he, like you, to me, you have to have thicker skin and you have to be able to fight for your fight for your fight for your place more or have to be able to live with a coach's decision and earn your way earn your way back or whatever or move on but move on in a good way and i think he's moved on and i don't think he's moved on in a i don't think he's moved on in a good way maybe we'll find out officially and, i'm pretty sure this week as well and to your point about the comments of course yeah the comments were naive they were very difficult for people within the club uh they're the only one of the few positives that i heard from people within the league itself where they appreciated that when that happened and there was frustration online, they were the, the one nice thing for them was there were so many people around the league who stood up for the league itself. Right. Uh, in those comments. But yeah, those comments were not helpful to, uh, you know, people, you, you know, in communications and, and in marketing and all that stuff, it was not helpful. It created a barrier for us in the supporter community. Yeah. There are a number of people who uh, enjoy both football clubs. And so that was, a little bit hard for them to swallow and probably why for some of them his departure is not that disappointing and so i think from for most of most of the supporters i think that they view it as, as like okay we can move on from that now obviously there's going to be people who continue to ring it up on social media as we've seen even since your tweet yeah um, but i think now but, that should hopefully be the end of it and well, I mean, you, know it you know it won't be but well, I kind of naively probably hope it will be, but well, I guess let's we'll put it this way: if he if he lands somewhere else in the league, it won't be. Oh yeah, well, I mean, Northern Tribune had got in touch with him, and he's he's confirmed that he's in talks with a couple of other clubs in the CPL. So it looks like he is going to land somewhere else in the league. You'd imagine Valor would be a good place for him to land. They kind of need a striker. He could be a, a good fit there under Phil DeSantis yeah. oh, the other players I'm sure will be getting announced this week as well I'll, I'll drop one more little tidbit that I've heard that Ibrahim Bakari is also moving on so there's going to be a, a rebuild at the back line that's not unexpected for a back line that's shipped a, a lot of goals not at all yeah not at all one player I'm hoping is going to come in we got a chance to to see him you only saw him briefly in one of the games i saw oh, yeah. him play in two games so we, we were out at at willoughby on thursday it was the the last day of the postseason and vancouver fc took on a white caps two side it wasn't like once i started to look to see who it was it was a a couple of regulars couple of fringe guys 
and maybe about four or five call-ups from the academy as well, like 15, 16-year-olds that they had playing. But for VFC, it was a couple of starters, it was a couple of fringe players, and it was trialists as well that was on the pitch. So it was an, it was an interesting it, it, game, that first it was. Ball. It was so fun to be there. And it was... I, I, it was I thought it was to... great though that for just like a game like that, the you guys got the same crowd out that you did for one of the normal games over this season. It was great to be able to sit <laughs> and watch the match in the West End with you, Michael. Those seats are they're nicer than I thought. The view is better than I thought, and uh, the more the seats are more comfortable than I thought they'd be. Yeah, although I, I did say to you afterwards, being in the stadium when it's empty, you really appreciate how much needs to get done to that stadium to make it what I would class as an acceptable Premier League stadium. Yeah, top and flight stadium. And we're, and we're all hoping the Township of Langley would do those things that yes. are to get done. They're listening that, to this, get your fingers out. Because that's that's my understanding is that's, uh, yeah, the work of the Township of Langley, right? Like it's not, it's oh, not the stewards yeah, of the I'm club. Yeah, I'm not putting any blame on VFC for this at all. They've had their hands tied in this. But it's like someone from the city just needs to sit and look around that stadium and go is this a world class stadium it doesn't even need to be world class it's like is it a, a stadium that's going to attract as Rob talked about in the show last week people in Vancouver have standards that they expect from a stadium mm-hmm. and it doesn't meet it in a, in a lot of them and it does feel unfinished that's a whole aside so I'm getting sidetracked yeah. but it, it was a fun it was fun it was nice seeing the 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 matches there's a couple familiar faces for for me from watching League One and VMSL and the player that I was talking about that featured in that game and the second game which was more VFC trialists against the Whitecaps U19 side was Danilo Shmachenko the Ukrainian centre back that's been with TSS he and this isn't my TSS goggles on he was excellent in both the games very Vocal at the back, confident, assured, had some really good tackles, dispossessed the ball, won tackles, got forward. And I really hope they have a serious look at him and get yeah. him brought in because I think he would be a great addition to the team. This would be my take on Danilo, though. I, I would. My guess is that Danilo is a player that they view as someone who, if he were to be in the team, wouldn't be a starter, right, on the team. And so, therefore, I, a, a player like Danilo... I wouldn't expect that type of signing to happen before they make signings of players who are more likely to be starters. That's fair. So, so, so if a Danilo or Danilo type player, as kind of as you described there, players who are going to be more squad players or depth players or whatever, um, I, I would expect those signings to come after there's been a, a number of players signed or brought in that are more likely to be starters. But We'll see. We'll see how that develops. I agree with you. The game, I, the half an hour, or whatever I saw him play. Yeah, he looked solid at the back. Um, the goal, the Vancouver, the Vancouver Seagull was scored in the first half on a on a header from a corner, right from Nima. Yes. And Nima then, um, and then, um, I, I keep not recognizing with his haircut that he got months ago now. But yeah, I just yes, used yes. him with his longer his hair, hair, and every time I see him with his shorter hair, I'm like, who's that? Oh, yes, Nima. His, his, his hair is much shorter. Um, and then the equalizer were scored. Oh. Was, was that was that was that Trevor in goal? I don't know. I thought it was Trevor Schneider, but it might not have been. Oh uh, yeah, number thirty-one was the keeper who played the last. He was far away. Minutes. We heard the other side of the stadium. Um, 
Yeah, it was. If he was a trialist, uh, I told some of my friends, yeah, his trial died in that moment. Yeah. Because it was, I think, perhaps the worst goal I've ever seen conceded in person. Now, I know you've been to to, to Bayview, so you've seen it probably worse. But, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I saw a game on Saturday where we lost, but anyway. <laughs> no, so, um, it was, uh, it, it, the ball was played back to him by his teammates, I believe, and he had plenty of time. And I remember, I think I said to you guys, like, oh, he's got to, He's got to do something with this. And he was trying to play the ball out of the back. And then he realized he was going to be, he's being pressed by the, the WFC two attacker and then tried to go around him. And he got stripped of the ball horribly. And then the ball was walked into the net. Essentially it was, it was really bad. It was, it was, it was really, really bad. And then the second, tell us about the second game against United. Yeah, well, the, the second game, there was a couple of interesting Whitecaps players that were suited up as trialists for VFC. Oh, that's Lucas, right. Lucas Dasovic, Nick Dasovic's boy. He was partnering Danilo Shmachenko in the, in the centre of defence. So he looked good. And Joe Hansen up front as well, who I, I thought had a, a, a good game had himself well and there's another player that I need to confirm if it was him or not but I, I think it was a former WFC2 player that has been lighting it up in the VMSL and I think he was playing as well but I need to confirm it it looked like him oh, okay. once someone said oh was such a person not there and I was like now that you say that I'm pretty sure that's who the number 43 was so I just need to clarify that. I'll tell you off camera uh, who it was. <laughs> when you told me it was Joe Hansen, I was like, oh, my nephew's name is Joe Hansen, but Hansen spelled differently. So. He's from the Yukon. So again, you've got a nice little story to tell as well. A oh, professional yeah. footballer coming from the Yukon. When he's been with WFC2, CBC from the Yukon have come down to do a couple of pieces on him and stuff as well. But Lucas Dazdovich would be an interesting one. If you're just picking him or Danilo, for me it's Danilo all the way. Lucas still has a bit of work to do. You wonder how much his name might carry him through though as well. He's coming back off a of an injury as well, so I guess we'll see what happened there. But it, it was a it was a fun day out. It's a nice way to see a couple of games. Beautiful day for it as well. Yeah. And nice to just yeah, catch up with a couple of folk and just have a, a good chat. And that's them now finished to January. They're going to get the local trialists in mid-January and then proper training will start towards the end of January. They, they hope to have some more like trials and stuff as well. So hope to get out to a few more of those this year. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to some preseason games or yeah, even if games with the trialists against others. It was uh, just to say, and uh, you know, you, I think you've said this before too. It was, and obviously I'm biased because I was more engaged because I had a, a local club to, to support, but it was the best year I think of the CPL. Like. I've um, I've really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than last year. Yeah. Last year, like nothing against last year. It's just, and it is probably with having VFC in. Now it's probably a bit more engaged. I actually got on less calls this year with other teams than I did last year, which I, I just trying to find the time to do everything. Of course, it is always tough, but no, it, it was good. Yeah, so that's it for the football chat. We'll finish with this episode's wavelength. And I'm going back to a song from 2018 from a, a regular artist that we featured on the show from Scotland. We've interviewed him as well. Neil Grant, the man that I tasked with doing the Canada World Cup song that didn't catch on the way that either of us hoped it might. 
and it was still a good song. I still think it should have had a lot more airplay than it did. But he did a couple of songs for North American teams and MLS teams. I've never played this one, but I thought it was very apt to dig it out. It's about Los Angeles FC. This is Neil Grant, We're Ellie. Neil Grant, we really had to dig that one out since the Whitecaps are in a never-ending vortex of playing games against LAFC to, to end their season, or hopefully not end their season, end someone's season anyway, in these three to four matches that we might have. That's pretty much it for the show. Any final thoughts from you, Zach? Anything funny caught your eye this week? No, I just want to say that the Thursday after the uh, the postseason stuff ended for Vancouver FC. There was they had their kind of internal awards night and a gathering for some of the season ticket holders at the at the offices there. Mm. It was a fun a fun little night. They gave got invited award. to it, but after having been out for the two games, they want to go home and then trail back out to Langley again. You should have just hung out over one of your British places in Langley and then then stayed for that. But anyways, well, I had um, planned to go to SFU, but by the time I got home, I just I couldn't be arsed leaving the house again. 
you would have enjoyed the churros. I heard they were really good. But it was it was a nice night and um yeah, good to connect with the players who are in town. Hey. And and um the staff and just uh there was a little bit of honoring the players, but also honoring some of the backroom staff and some of the behind the I saw Jeevan got an award, which was nice because he's done yeah. a lot of work this year. Jeevan got an award for Jeevan. Then they gave him a stick they gave him a stick because uh it was something to do with like you know, like the office stuff, and they're like, "He's a, the football ops guy. He's not an office guy." <laughs> but, He's um, worked really hard wearing a number of hats, doing about four different jobs. He, yeah. he deserves a break. He should fly. Nice trip to somewhere like Scotland. Just relax for a little bit. See what he can <laughs> come back with. Oh, Michael, you're so funny. Um, is, are, are they drag racing on your street? <laughs> I've, I've told you before, RuPaul's here all the time. There you go. Um, but no, this always fun. And then added, I got to hang out with, I know, friend of the show or, or someone who messaged you every so often. Let's call him Rob M. And uh, it was good to hang out with him and connect with him. Uh, he's one of the people who enjoys the two and a half plus, uh, two and a half hour plus shows that we put up. Well, he's going to enjoy this one that I had scheduled down. I said to Caitlin, oh, this is going to probably just be about an hour and a half when it's going to be short this week. But then I thought, let's just riff about everything, and that's taking us to about three hours. Yeah. So he, he is one of the people who enjoys those shows and uh, a number of aspects of it. I won't go into all of them, but uh, it was good to see Rob. Rob is someone who's connected to uh, Vancouver FC and, and also Whitecaps as well, and uh, it's been great to get to know him a little bit better. He he was uh, he traveled to Halifax for the first away game in Halifax, uh, which was really awesome for him. and. I'm just a, a quality dude who I've gotten, to, like I said, I've gotten to know better in this last year or so. Who, yeah, who I have a lot of time for. And, um, anyways, yeah. So shout out to Rob as he's listening. To this Rob, don't steer off the road. I know you're listening to this while you drive to <laughs> drive to work. <laughs> um, but yeah, shout out, shout out to Rob, and it was good to see you this week. And looking forward to connecting, hopefully one or two more times in the off season. But yeah, give us a follow on Twitter, stroke X at AFTN Canada. As always, YouTube.com backslash AFTN Canada. It's going to be Thunderbirds week. I started it on Friday. Haven't done anything Saturday, Sunday. So it's more a Thunderbirds nine days. I've just not had the time to do all the stuff I want to do. But the Thunderbirds are go. And they're doing well. And I can't wait for not this coming week, but the week after. When Nationals kick in. The women are in Kingston, Ontario. The guys are in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. Dropped a huge hint during my broadcast for the UBC men's game. How much I'd like to go to Cape Breton if they wanted to fly me there with the team. We'll see if they take up that that subtle or not so subtle hint that I did during it. If you haven't checked out Chris Lee's free kick for UBC's second goal as well, I retweeted that tonight. It's an absolute peach. We'll be back with another episode soon, hopefully talking about the Whitecaps playoffs continuing and not ending. Yeah, and speaking of that, people, uh, if you're a Whitecaps fan, get out to this game. Like, or if you're interested in, in in what you know, experience a Whitecaps game, and you haven't been, uh, I don't know why you're listening to the podcast if you've never been to a game and you're in the Lower Mainland. But uh, you need to like go out and support this game. Like th this is gonna, there's already twenty thousand tickets sold, right? There's gonna be like twenty thousand plus people, so they have seven thousand or seven and a half thousand tickets left they can sell in the lower in the lower bowl. Uh, get out and go wa watch this game because it's it, it should be a memorable night no matter what if they oh, if they beat be, them. Yeah. It'll it'll be massive if they if they go out. It's the end to a like yeah the the best year in the MLS in the MLS uh, era, right? So yeah, 
if if uh, if the white caps are your 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 flavor, get out to this match. Fantastic way to end it. We'll be back soon chatting about that game. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care and mon the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Mm-hmm.